following is a presentation of the Outside Lens Radio Network. Recording live from Studio Chanteau, outside of Detroit, Michigan, you're listening to Scotty Freytown and Tyler Dean, The Outside Blitz! And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Outside I am your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, and today, folks, I am not all by myself. Tyler on vacation one week, that's all right. I have the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only, the count ball, Alex Steele. Hey, fa- you know, you're, you're way too kind, my fabulous one. Yeah, boom goes the cannonball. We're ready to do this. Uh, you know, I'm pinching it. I'm pitch hitting for uh, the titillating one once again. Uh, so happy to be here, and uh, we got a whole lot on our plate today, don't we, boss? That we do. Uh, Tyler, uh, he's out on vacation for one more week. I mean, I know he's he's a very, very busy man these days, <laughs> uh, always dealing with the babies and and the wrestling and, and just everything else under the sun, so Tyler's got a hell of a lot going on. Very excited for him. Um, and I know he'll be back next week. We talk, I talked to him earlier this week, but he did send me his top 10. He did send me everything else. So we're kind of excited to get him back on board too. I'm, I'm, uh, but I'm super excited that you're joining me again. Mm-hmm. I always hate doing solo episodes. And yesterday <laughs> or last week I had to do a solo episode and it was like, ah, I fucking hate it. But, <laughs> and, um, man, I got to tell you, I, I, we have so much stuff to discuss and, and, you know, like it, it's not, we don't have like a ton of news around the league, but mm-hmm. there are some, some very large elephants in the room. Oh yeah. We have to jump into, um, when we go into our news stories for the week, I mean, <laughs> really ridiculous stuff. So we're going to be jumping into all that. Um, you know, we got the top 10, we got the forgotten five, we got the forgetful five. We had some, some out, outrageously good performances this week, some very fun ones. Um, and, and we've got our updated rookie rankings. I finally, finally was able to stop some of Tyler's homerism a little bit uh, when it comes to Adafi Owe, all kinds Mm -hmm. of stuff. So um, first and foremost, Alex, I want to jump into the scores. Um, Let's get this thing rolling. So here are your scores for week 14 in the NFL, starting with the Steelers and the Vikings on Thursday night football. Vikings win this game 36-28. Alex, I got to tell you, I'm oh my gosh. So, so pissed off at this Vikings team now. You have a 29-point lead. You almost blow it to Big Ben and the Steelers. Uh, Dalvin Cook ran his ass off in this game uh, to, to get this Vikings team to the point where they had a 29-0 lead going into the fourth quarter. Right. And what? Uh, this is what I've been talking about all season long. It's what I yep. Vikings rant last week, and here we are again. The Vikings, you know blowing another lead almost and and basically not showing up for an entire half of football am i wrong no i i watched that game you know especially during the fourth quarter that last drive where it's like the steelers had every opportunity to stomp that to stomp that lead into the dust and you got Chase Claypool celebrating a first down for no reason, you know, causing the Steelers to lose precious seconds off the clock. You got to clock the ball. You got to clock the ball. And then the only reason you guys don't 
uh, lose is because Harrison Smith basically saves your season by right. batting the ball away at the last second. Right. And for all those, you know, and I, I was saying it last week, and I'll say it again this week. For all those Vikings fans out there that are saying that Harrison Smith, quote unquote, lost a step, I've been saying it all season long. Oh, he, oh, he lost a step. Oh, he's getting older. Oh, he should have never signed that contract. You know what? Harrison Smith right now is sporting a 79.1 PFF grade. So, yep. and he's ranked the number eight safety in the entire NFL. Put that so, pipe and smoke it. Yeah. So I don't want to hear diddly shit about Harrison Smith, quote unquote, losing a step. Um, because he just basically saved our season and kept us in the hunt. So yep. yeah, and and kept you from paying me fifty dollars. But that's a different discussion entirely. Right. So far, yes. So we, far, we still have four games to go. They basically got to win out at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, you got the Cowboys beating this, the the uh, Washington Football Team twenty-seven to twenty. Look, the Cowboys guaranteed victory in this game. It was a tight one. Uh, Washington said they were going to try and make them regret it. Uh, not so much this time, but the Cowboys pull one out. Cowboys are not looking like the Cowboys we normally see. Ever since Dak Prescott had that ankle injury, I mean, like, think about these numbers. 211 yards, one touchdown, two picks. He was 22 for 39 on the day, only a 56% completion percentage. What's going on with Dak Prescott here? I mean, is, is it? that injury from earlier this season i mean what the hell well i i am not sure uh, what's going on um i i did know that there was one thing uh that i noticed uh, that the cowboys actually airplaned in their own benches for this game <laughs> so uh the the rivalry is definitely not dead uh, in the nfc east but uh when you he- when you hear numbers like that uh it, it comes into question and the playoffs are right around the corner so you have to really ask yourself is Dak Prescott still in his head about his ankle? I mean, did you? I mean, I didn't get a chance to watch the game, but I mean, did you? Did you happen to notice anything about his footwork? Anything about his mobility? Because one of the things that you know Dak Prescott has been known for is his mobility. He's no, he's no he's no Russell Wilson, but he can still he can move when needed. He's still he was a little less mobile. I mean, I think that that ankle is still a little more tender. To be perfectly honest with you. Um, I, you know, you see it all the time. Guys get hurt, and when they get hurt, you know, it could be any injury under the sun, and they start, you know, just kind of throwing the ball all over the place and missing passes, and they're they're not thinking right. So, you know, we'll we'll see what goes on with Dak. Right now, the Cowboys, since that injury, I think they've they've gone three and three since that injury. So uh, we'll have to see what goes on with with Dak Prescott and company. And then on top of that, on the other side, I mean, maybe this was just a bad a bad quarterback game. Taylor Heineke gets benched. He goes 11 for 25 for 122. He had a touchdown and <laughs> pick. Uh, Kyle Allen comes in in his place, who, who the former Denver Broncos backup. He goes four for nine for 53 yards. I mean, it was just a bad game all around for quarterbacks. Uh, but Washington, I mean, this is kind of what I've grown to expect from Tyler he- Taylor Heineke. I like Taylor Heineke. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he is the quarterback that that's going to lead the Washington football team ultimately. But at the end of the day, when it comes to Washington, you know, when it, and when it comes to Heineke, he's either really, really, really good or he's really, really, really bad. And we, this has just happened to be one of his really, really, really bad games. But when Heineke's on, he's on. And we've seen that in the past. So, I mean, I, I think this is also a development thing for him. I mean, he's in, in his late 20s and he hasn't had the, the amount of time throughout his 20s to, to develop into the quarterback that... You know, a lot of these other guys get the opportunity to. 
Uh, and he was a third stringer in Minnesota. He was a backup in, in Washington here. His first started game like as like a key started starting quarterback was against the Bucks in the playoffs last year, and he almost beat him. So and and has he been horrible this year? I mean, clearly not. They're still in the playoff hunt. Technically speaking, they're the seventh seed right now. So I want to see whether or not uh, you know this was just kind of an anomaly from Taylor Heineke. I mean, shit happens, but I, I think he's good enough to get them into the playoffs. But whether or not we he's good enough to get them into the Super Bowl, I mean. We'll we will probably never know that to be honest with you, Alex. Right. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it, it it's more than just the numbers. You have to look at the intangibles. You know, does he look like a guy that's got his head screwed on right? You know, does his offensive line have what it takes to, you know, to defend against those defensive tackles rushing to get to him? You know, like you, I, I am taking a look at the standings. I mean, you know, it's it's pretty much anybody's ball game for that seventh spot, like you said. Um, you know, so all they got to do is really hold on, and and they'll stay and they'll get in. But you know, yeah, they they slide into the back door, but they'll probably get knocked out in the first round, like you, you know, like go up against uh, an Arizona, or they might have a rematch against Dallas if Dallas, you know, pops up a slot or so. Right, and and I, like Heineke, I, like I said, I. I I, is he is he the kind of guy that I think is going to go and win him a Super Bowl? Eh, I don't know. That the jury's still out there. We'll see how long they keep him around, and and especially after games like this, I mean, we'll see how long they keep him on board. But right now, I think uh, you know, I think Washington still has their quarterback in spite of this bad game. I th- I still think they have their guy, and and they're going to have to see how he develops over the course of the next year or two here. And if he if he's not progressing in in the positive direction there, they're probably going to walk from him. I mean mm-hmm. that probably be how it goes and it's unfortunate because i like heineke but hey we'll see um yep. next up next up you got the chiefs blowing out the raiders 48 <clears throat> uh patty mahomes shows up and just does patty mahomes things uh looks looks great in this game and then you got Derek carr and company uh not looking so great uh car see it appears the problem i have mm-hmm. the raiders are over here talking about be- possibly benching Derek carr now i want to just by comparison, let's look at this. Derek Carr goes 33 for 45 for 73% completion percentage, 263 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. He had a 90.4 QBR. Right. On the other end here, rushing-wise, you have Josh Jacobs. He has nine attempts for 24 yards and a 2.7 average. Yeah. So, and like, what? What? What's the? What's the name of the game? Run the football. If you can run the football, then you could run play action and burn them downfield. Yeah, it's Here good that go. you got a it's good that you got a passing game, but if your def, if your offense can't get the run going, eh, you're gonna have some problems. And here we are, you know, Derek Carr is, is throwing the ball and he's throwing it effectively, and you know they're over here talking about benching Derek Carr for Marcus Mariota, and then in the meantime, I've got. I don't think it's a. I don't. I don't think it's a good move either, because you know, is Mariota proven? You know, he's he was a, he was a rookie, and you know, did we hear did we hear anything of note of him when he was started with Tennessee? Not really. No, Mar- Mariota was an eight and eight quarterback, seven and nine quarterback while he was over there. My problem is, is that Derek Carr is doing his job, and I'm looking at a guy like Josh Jacobs getting nine attempts for 24 yards and a 2.7 average, and I'm going, well, what the hell are we doing here? If we're going to be talking about about you know benching anybody you should be t- looking at your running back room and saying what the fuck guys 
So I see how this, and I'm like, eh, I'm not a fan. Patty Mahomes had himself a good game in this, though. I mean, 20 for 24, very accurate, 258, two touchdowns. He played well. The running game got going. I want to talk about this kid that nobody is talking about, though, and I think he should be the number one back with Kansas City is this Derek Gore kid. Yep. I've watched him come in on primetime games. I've seen him just roll out there on the field on those games where Clyde Edwards-Hellaire is out. In this situation, Clyde Edwards-Hellaire out-touched him, and he still got 66 yards of a touchdown. Yep. I think this Derek Gore kid is, is – Derek Gore should be the starter for the Kansas City Chiefs. Fuck Clyde Edwards-Hellaire. Get him <laughs> as in a change of pace back role because that's what he's good for, and that's what he was good for in college. And make Derek Gore your guy. Yeah, I mean, well, the numbers don't lie, you know. I mean, if, if you're if you're only getting nine carries, but you got sixty six yards and a touchdown out of that, yeah, might want to cons- might want to consider that. Yeah, and and he looked good, and in, in the other primetime games too, and they they used him in in kind of like uh, sparing duty there. I mean, he he should have been used a lot more in in some of those games he was in. I like Derek Gore. I really do think he should be the starter for the Chiefs, and I think they're wasting that kid right now. That kid's a stud and a steal, and they may have found like their starting running back in a situation where, you, you know, you, you didn't have to waste a first-round draft pick on it. And you know, you're you're a post-Super Bowl team as well, so you're you're going to be dragging the bottom of the barrel for draft picks anyway. So to have a running back like this in your back pocket, score. Uh, one other comment I would like to make is that uh, I'm, I want to know who had the bright idea to have the Vegas Raiders uh, taking a victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium in the team buses and stomp on the Chiefs logo in midfield shortly before kickoff. Uh, whoever made that decision should probably be in a loony bin because they pissed off the Chiefs and probably prompted that spanking. Yeah, the, the Chiefs... Um... They obviously don't take very kindly to stuff like that. And then on top of it all, you know, the Chiefs, um, they're on a win streak right now. Chiefs have been on a winning streak. I think they've they've won six or seven in a row now. They're not going to lose the rest of the season, according to Tyler. And I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. They're currently nine and four. They lead the they lead the division. I think they're actually they're ten and four after after yep. this past Thursday. They're sitting on top of the conference, actually. They're on top of the conference. They're on top of the division. This is a team that was sitting in at in last place in their division not too long ago. Yep. And now they're on on top of the world. Patty Mahomes hasn't looked like the Patty Mahomes we normally have seen in the past couple of years, but he has been doing very very good things as far as ball control football. And, and game managing, the Raiders probably, like you said, they pissed the Chiefs off and the Chiefs made them pay. 48-9 to in this one, Chiefs get it done. Uh, next up, you got the Seahawks. They beat the Texans 33-13. Don't look now, the Seahawks have, have won a few in a row here. Mm-hmm. I understand it's the Texans. I understand the Texans are 2-11 and right now. Um, I understand the Seahawks are, but we were we were counting, we were saying they were cooked at 3-8 and mm-hmm. to go. Yep, we sure so, were. Yep, and the Seahawks, they pulled out a big one against the Niners, and now they beat the Texans, and now the Seahawks are starting to be back in the discussion, and they're being, you know, like, if they win one more, we're talking about the Seahawks in the playoff discussion. Well. And, and in, the, in, the, in the hunt here. So, well, I mean, let's, let's take a look at the rest of their schedule. I mean, they got, you know, the Los Angeles Rams on Tuesday. More on that later, obviously. They got the Bears, and then the Lions, and then they end their season against Arizona. They've got two wins in their back pocket, as far as I'm concerned. And if they take it to Los Angeles, then, you know, they'll, they'll be in pretty good shape uh, when they go to take that 
paddling in Arizona. Right. <laughs> I think they get paddled in Arizona, but you know, that this could be a situation where it comes down to the wire. Where mm-hmm. where if you it's a win and in situation, beat the Cardinals, get into the playoffs. We've seen this type of thing in the past, but I mean, like I said, they win if they win three more, you're talking about an eight and eight football team, and then they, they go up against Arizona possibly to get in the playoffs with a winning record. With that a might- win- if that if that doesn't motivate you, nothing will. I know. I, I it's insane to me. I, man, Russ Wilson. I mean, just getting mm-hmm. it done. And uh, you know, and he hasn't been playing incredible ball. I mean, this that, that game he went seventeen for twenty eight, two sixty two touchdowns. But I mean, that's pretty fucking good football there. And then on the other side, a guy that we you know we've shit on him consistently. He's been on the the forgetful five. I almost he was nearly on the Forgotten Five this week. Um, mm. Davis Mills. This kid, you know, I like Davis Mills. I really do. I watched him when he was in Stanford, and I thought he was outstanding. Um, you know, and I, I, I watched him, so I watched the Stanford Pro Day. And the Stanford Pro Day, this kid was making these beautiful passes in the pouring ass rain. I always, I always talk about it on this show. Beautiful mm-hmm. passes, accurate throws in the pouring rain. I mean, where where a lot of people would have trouble making those throws. A lot of the great quarterbacks in this league would have problems making those throws. And he was making those throws. Now, I think Davis Mills has found himself in a bad situation. I think Davis Mills, in my personal opinion, I think with some development, I think Davis Mills could be a starter in this league. And, and it's going to take time. They're going to have to take their time to develop him, and that's okay. I think he got thrown to the wolves here in a bad situation with the Texans. Um, but, you know, 33 for 49, 331 and a touchdown. I mean, that's – I mean, he had a good game, and I understand that the Seahawks' defense is nothing to write home about, but who the hell do the Texans have that, that is really worth talking about? Right. Not- I mean, you, you got Brandon Cooks. You got – you know, you know the Rex Burkhead and Royce Freeman, uh, you, if if that, and that's really it. I mean, it's a dumpster fire down there. Right. Like you said, you know, Davis Mills got tossed to the wolves. Uh, do you possibly believe that he would get that better development and better uh, investment with another team? And if so, which one? And that's a possibility. We we could be you know talking about that uh, you know down the line. I mean, I I think. I think Davis Mills is stuck with the Texans, and and you know I think the Texans will look at him and say, oh well, he's. I think the Texans are going to wind up like, basically relegating him to backup duties. But I believe Davis Mills could have developed with with a, a better team had he gone to you know say a Saints. Mm-hmm. I think the Saints would have been able to develop the hell out of that kid. I, I think you know maybe the Broncos they could have been able to to do something with him. You know there there are teams out there that uh, the Seahawks. Hell, the Seahawks could have developed that kid into, into something special. He's a pure pocket passer. You can tell he's a pure pocket passer. I think he's a good quarterback. And and, and you, I know, think- Pete, you know, Pete Carroll was from Stanford. You know, so you know, there's the connection there too. I just think the kid's underutilized, and I think he's he's underutilized and underdeveloped. And like I said, he got thrown to the wolves because of the Deshaun Watson situation. It just seems like a mess to me. And uh, here we are. You know, uh, but you know, Tex- the Texans drop one another one to the Seahawks. I mean, they're two and eleven now. Texans still kind of getting close to that one seed, but they're not as close to as uh, your boys yet. Right, um, not quite. They got a little ways to go. Yeah, a little way. Next up, you got the uh, the Jaguars dropping a, a one of the Titans. They get shot out twenty to nothing. 
Well, look, and we're going to jump into the Jaguars situation. Trevor Lawrence did not have a good game throwing four picks in this game, but I got to tell you, the Titans defense has been the one thing that's been really keeping them alive um, mm-hmm. ever since Henry injury. I mean, that that's what it's been. That is what it's been the whole time. The, the, the Derrick Henry, Eric, eh, Derrick Henry, easy for me to say, Derrick Henry injury, I mean, it really caused that Titans defense to have to step up. Ryan Tannehill has shown, and and Tyler, he'll deny, 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 but mm. Tyler calling him an elite quarterback at one point. Oh, I think he's elite. I think he's elite. Okay, well, we'll see. Well, and, uh, when you get when you get sacked four times for thirty yards, I mean, I mean, obviously it's part not part not all your fault, but it does have a little bit a little bit to say. Right, and and I think Ryan Tannehill has has shown throughout the last several games that he is not the guy. And, and he, he isn't that, that key cog starting quarterback that's going to light the world on fire. I mean, he, and he's not. We, that's what we've seen. I, I, I don't believe Ryan Tannehill is, is that good of a quarterback. Nonetheless, the Titans sit around at 9-4. and four. I mean, Tannehill, 20 for 31, 191. I mean, he, it was an okay game. He didn't play bad, but he didn't play great. I mean, and, and it, was just, it was kind of a mad game for him. There he was, right. the Jets. You want to also talk about man? I mean, Dante Foreman is the uh, de facto leading rusher here. 30, 13 carries for 47 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he's no Derrick Henry for sure, but do you think he's going to be just enough to carry these Titans to the playoffs when Derrick gets Henry, when Derrick gets healthy? Yeah, I, I think when when Derrick Henry comes in finally healthy and and there, you know, like I kind of said to Tyler when he went down, I said, hey, wait a minute. He's down six to ten weeks. They're already pushing playoff level here. If they can get a few more wins, we could be talking about the Titans in the playoffs with Derrick Henry coming back. Yep. Who knows how this is going to turn out? Because if if they get into the playoffs, and then let's say, okay, let's say they make the wild card. Let's say they wind up in the sixth seed. All right, now we're talking about Derrick Henry coming in and just tearing people up. Right, I mean... They're si- they're sitting at number three right now, tied with New England. So you know, you, like you said, you get a couple of wins. Maybe you even get to that set, that first round bye. Then, yeah. th- then well, hang on. Uh, this year, uh, only one, only the number one seed gets the first round bye. Correct. Yep. Okay. Only- well, still, I mean, you're a high seed, so you're going to be facing the lower end team to start the playoffs. Yeah. So you know. It's time. Is it just enough to get Derek get the rust off of Derek's wheels for when you get into the divisional and the championship round? Yep. Yeah. And it, it was it was an unfortunate injury, but it was just one of those things where, oh, okay. Well, we have enough wins that we might have that cushion to get in, and I really think they do. They're nine and four, and they they go out and they beat the Jags. It was a much much needed win. They needed to make sure they they need to mm-hmm. win the games that they're supposed to win, and this is one of those games they're supposed to win. Yep, they got Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Miami, and Houston. Out of those four, you're looking at three out of four. Yeah. Uh, because, I, uh, you know, San Francisco may be the only one to give him any real trouble. You and, know, and my, my, Pittsburgh could. Pittsburgh could. And, and you know, I, I don't – Pittsburgh is so hit or miss. I think it, out of those ones, that out of those ones that they got, I think they could beat Miami. That That's possibly mm-hmm. – Miami's been playing tough, but I think they could beat Miami. I think they could be. Uh, I think they'll likely beat Houston, and and sure. I mean they they. I mean at that point, I think you're basically in I, with one win. I think you're basically in. But if they go two and two down that stretch, it's it's a wash at this point. They'll be mm-hmm. you know, eleven and six, and we'll be talking about the Titans in the playoffs. 
I mean, you, you get you get 11 wins, you get double digits, usually you're in. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of headed here for the Titans. And and the Jags, we, we'll get to the Jags debacle. Trevor Lawrence, I think, is just being wasted over there. We'll, we'll jump into that shortly. But the Jags, they dropped a heartbreaker 20 to nothing. Um, and, and I think it, it is a major condemnation on uh, that, that organization currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, you got the Saints. Saints go out and win one against the Jets 30 to 9. This was kind of expected. Uh, Taysom, mm-hmm. Now, look, one thing I want to point out is Taysom Hill, his, his passing numbers weren't anything to write home about. 15 for 21, 175. He didn't have any touchdowns or anything. His QBR was real nice, 105.2. But there's another thing that I noticed, and he had 11 carries for 73 yards and two touchdowns. So, <laughs> so, so, so are, we, are we looking at the next Russell Wilson here? Yeah, he, he looked damn good in this game, and, and this is, you know, the, he had a bad game a few weeks ago amid a hand injury. Now Taysom Hill comes out, and he looks yeah, real hand jam deal. And, and Tyler is, uh, you know, he, he is a Taysom Hill hater, and that's okay. But, um, you know, he, <laughs> he he got it done on, on this day. And then on the other side, you know, Zach Wilson and company. Uh, Zach Wilson had himself yet another rough game, 19 for 42, 202 yards. Are we just to the point where we just believe that the Jets organization as a whole just – they're they're kind of the new Cleveland Browns. Yeah. <clears throat> they they draft – they're, they're, they're on par with the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just flip the script, clean everybody out, flush that organization like like a big turd down the drain, and just start over. Yeah, you know, for years we saw the Browns. Every year they would they would go in and they would draft a quarterback. The Browns would, and mm-hmm. and we, I mean we saw it. It was it was Seneca Wallace and it was Colt McCoy and it, I mean it was it was, you know you went right to Tim Couch. I mean you right down the line they were drafting all these. Just quarterback after quarterback after quarterback, waiting for that one big big one to hit. Now and then Baker Mayfield sort of hit, and then now we're seeing kind of Baker Mayfield be like, meh. Jets are kind of in that same zone right now where they, yeah. they went out and they they picked up Mark Sanchez and they had a couple good years with him, but then he shit the bed, and now they're, they're sitting around. They're like, okay, we're going to go after Sam Darnold. And Sam Darnold didn't work out. Okay, we're going to go after Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson right now is working out. So it makes you wonder – what the Jets are going to wind up doing if they're going to wind up, you know, giving Zach, I think they obviously give Zach Wilson one more year, but are they going to go out and draft another quarterback in the first round? Are we going to see that? And well, that does remain to be seen, but I will be, we should earmark that for sure. Yeah. It's, it's one of the worst habits I think that football teams get into is after a while, you got to stop messing with like, like for example, the Browns every year they they went out and picked up these rookie quarterbacks and they they didn't have anybody in front of them to develop. And for you see it with the Browns did it for years and years. Oh, I'm just going to draft a quarterback and we'll see how it works out. Well, you can't always do that. It just doesn't work that way. And this is this is the same situation over here. The Jets are doing the exact same thing. And and uh, you know, I just think it's a mess at this mm-hmm. point. It's a mess. They they needed to get a veteran quarterback where that rookie quarterback can sit behind them and develop and learn. And that's that's how the best quarterbacks come about. You saw it with uh, um, Justin Herbert. He sat eight games behind Tyrod Taylor and then eventually there were six games and then he wound up figuring it out and coming in. And I knew Justin Herbert was pro-ready when he got drafted. Yep. But, you know, like you sit behind these quarterbacks and you learn. Patrick Mahomes, he sat behind Alex Smith for a year and a half. I mean, mm-hmm. 
I think that's worth noting here. You know, yep. so we, we're in a situation where I think the Jets need to find themselves a veteran quarterback and then go and draft your first round guy and and sit him down and mm-hmm. and have Joe Flacco start. That's cool. Bring Joe Flacco in, sign him to a two year deal, put Joe Flacco in as your starter, and then sit Zach Wilson down so he can learn what the hell he's doing. Absolutely. And then when he's ready to go, he's ready to go. I'm a firm believer in that, and so is Tyler. There are very rare exceptions to the rule. Guys like Andrew Luck, very rare exception to the rule. And, and yeah, the, the rule is not going to be broken here, I, I don't think. So there's that. Um, next up, you've got the Falcons beating the Panthers, 29-21. Falcons are, like, we wrote them off a while back. They're in front now in the NFC picture. Look, I don't think the Falcons are going to make the playoffs. And frankly, I don't think they're going to get anywhere near. Obviously, I don't think they're going to get anywhere near a Super Bowl. Um, But it's kind of a cool thing to see that the Falcons are kind of still fighting and they're still kind of being that scrappy little team that's trying to make their way back into the playoffs. And then in the meantime, you know, the Panthers, I think it's a sinking ship. Christian McCaffrey obviously lost. They don't have anything going on. And (coughs) Newton and initially it looked like Cam Newton was going to be the savior, like the savior over there. He has not been. Mm-mm. Fifteen. It, it was it was a one hit wonder, and it was just and it's just been a sinking ship the whole way. Yeah, ever since he came back, he's just been mediocre at best. Um, Cam is just not. I I mean, everybody. Then Tyler and I both sat here after the first week he came back, going, eh, you know, he'll play well enough. He'll play. Well <laughs> to get a contract and and since then he has not played well enough to get a contract he has just it's been eh, okay it's cam mm-hmm. so yeah I, I think the panthers are pretty much toast but the the falcons are still fighting and it's kind of strange they they could make a, a run to the playoffs but i doubt it but hey the, the option is there um i mean next I, I, got- go ahead. no no go ahead I was going to talk about schedules, but uh, we'd be here all day. Get on it. <laughs> well, if we're going to if we're going to talk about schedules, you know, I think uh, between the Falcons and the Panthers, I believe that the Falcons have uh, the lighter schedule because mm-hmm. they have the, they have the Lions, uh, they, they, they have the, the 49ers, the Lions, the Bills, and the Saints. Uh, the Panthers, meanwhile, have to face the Tampa Bay Bucks twice. Yikes. And they got the Buffalo Bills and the New Orleans Saints. So clearly, Carolina is a deer in the headlights uh, compared to, to Atlanta. Uh, I think you're right. I think Atlanta, you know, f- you know, fades into the distance. You know, 49ers will take care of them. Bills will take care of them. And then the Saints will just polish them right off. But, I mean, yeah, but, but Carolina is well done. And uh, it, their schedule is not doing them any favors. No, Bucks and Bills, I think those are the big games. And and obviously, you know, the, the Saints are sort of hit or miss. You never know which ta- Saints team is going to show up week over week lately. I, I, I think the Falcons have the better opportunity, but I, I'm with you here. I think the Falcons do get, get smacked around, and, and I think they have an opportunity to beat the, the Saints, but it's looking like they're going to they're gonna probably miss. That's a tough four-game stretch. Anyway, mm-hmm. Um, next up, you got the Browns beating the Ravens 24-22. The big story in this game, Lamar Jackson, he leaves the field with an ankle injury. Um, and the no Browns, good. Yeah, not looking good, but the Browns get it done. The good news is, is it was an ankle sprain, but uh, Tyler Huntley comes in, and he goes 27 for 38 and, and 270 in a touchdown. He doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. He actually looked pretty good in this game. 
Um, yeah. and, and really, Baker Mayfield, I mean, he didn't look incredible, but he looked all right. He was 22 for 32 for 192 touchdowns. I mean, you know, the, the Browns need to just stick with their bread and butter, and they need to run the football. Yeah, I mean, they, they gave Nick Chubb the ball 17 times for 59 yards. I mean, obviously, he didn't get a touchdown, but yeah. it, but I, I agree with that. Stick with the running game. Yeah, I think this the, the two-headed attack between Chubb and Hunt should remain the focus. And and if you look, what they did is they gave Dearness Johnson more carries than Kareem Hunt, which I'm I, look, I understand Dearness uh-huh. Johnson had a few had a few really good games and he's been an outstanding running back. And I, I believe that Dearness Johnson to be if I'm being honest with you, I think Dearness Johnson could be a starting running back somewhere. <laughs> I he's run. Um, and so can Kareem Hunt. I just think Chubb and Hunt was the more two-headed attack as opposed to, you know, oh, hey, you know, let me let me give Dearness Johnson more carries than Kareem Hunt. Uh, mm, eh, right. But the Browns do get it done, 24-22. Um, solid performance, and I'm sure Tyler, Tyler was, was crying in, you know, yeah, crying in his cornflakes over, uh, you know, Lamar getting carted off, but not carted off, but had to go back to the locker room. Oh, he, he, did, <laughs> he did take a ride on the cart. So, oh, well, that's no good. So, I mean, we'll we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, a heartbreaker for you. Broncos mm-hmm. dominate the Lions, thirty-eight to ten. Uh, man, I'll tell you what, Melvin mm-hmm. Gordon looked damn good in this game. Did he not? Twenty-four carries, one hundred eleven yards, two touchdowns. Monster game for him. I mean, yeah, the numbers certainly don't lie. I didn't get a chance to watch this game, but, uh, I mean, I, I know that they, they did pay tribute uh, to the late Demarius Thomas uh, to start the game. The the Broncos uh, only started 10 players, uh, and, the you know, they took the delay a game, and, uh, you know, Detroit, you know, declined the penalty. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the, the, the definition, my definition of a heartbreaker would be, like, they're coming back in the fourth quarter, and they only need like a field goal to win. They don't do it. This was a stomping. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just looking at the numbers, and this was an absolute stomping. Yeah, it was a stomping. Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, I think, are a great two-headed attack. But personally speaking, I mean, if, if, I, if I'm the Broncos, I'm looking to save some dough, and I think Melvin Gordon goes out the door after this year, and Javante Williams takes over you know, lead-back roles. I think he's just that mm-hmm. good, and, and he's proven he's every bit as good as Melvin Gordon, if not better. Um, Melvin Gordon had more attempts on the day, but Javante Williams had the better average. You know, just get to get Javante Williams on the field more often. He had such a good game on on prime time on Sunday night. The you know the uh, previous week, you know, just go ahead and give him the lead back role. Save yourself the dough. Save yourself the cap space. Get Melvin Gordon out the door. It just makes sense. In the meantime, mm-hmm. you can go ahead and use Melvin Gordon all you want. He had 24 carries for 111. I mean, good on him. Hey, rock and roll. Um, and so one thing I want, I do want to make mention of in this game, um, you know, we were talking about the Demarius Thomas thing and Tyler calls me and he goes, Hey, you know, uh, you know, good on the Lions, you know, for, for declining that penalty, you know, on, on the delay, delay of game for, for the Demarius Thomas thing and good on them. And, uh, one guy said, you know, any, any, uh, any coach would have declined that penalty. Any coach would have. And Tyler goes, not Bill. <laughs> Belichick. And you know Bill Belichick would have been standing on the fucking sideline just going, except that. Yeah. 
Like, you know he would have been standing there in his stupid, goofy-ass hoodie, and he would have been that penalty immediately. Because <laughs> Belichick doesn't play that fucking shit. So mm-hmm. I want to point that out because you know that that's the case. <laughs> that flooded bastard. So mm-hmm. next up, you got the Chargers and the Giants, 37-21. to 21. Um, You know, Justin Herbert doing Justin Herbert things. He looked damn good in this game, throws for three touchdowns. You know, I still believe this kid's going to wind up having a bust in Canton at some point. I love him. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. Um, I know you love him. You got him in fantasy. I wish I had him in fantasy. He's just a tremendous, tremendous uh, quarterback, and he's been leading this Chargers team so well. I'm expecting the Chargers to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's that's a pretty bold pick there, Cotton, but I mean, I'm right there with you. You know, uh, they're... You know their record is kind of belying their uh, talent, but th- that's because you know they've only they, they've lost a top tier talent. You know they're still five seed. You know mm. they'll still get a pretty healthy run in the playoffs. I mean the, the competition's going to be stiff, but if anybody's going to lead them, it's this kid. Yeah, and and I don't think the Chargers. You know I I don't think they're going to win one this year. I, I, it's possible, um, but I think that the chances are low for this season. But I think the Chargers at some point throughout mm. this its tenure. That kid, Justin Herbert, he is going to lead them to a Super Bowl. He's that good. He's that effective. He's a special kind of talent. He's a special kind of player. I like Justin Herbert. And and I've been talking about about this kid for really since not this past draft, but the draft before that, the draft before that. I I was talking about this kid, I mean, two drafts ago when he was supposed to enter in and he was supposed to come in as the number one overall selection. did he do they they he decided to stay at that school and then wound up going six overall good for him hey rock and roll i get it but man i really love justin herbert i think he's gonna wind up in just he's a generational talent absolutely you know one of a kind i think he's gonna be an awesome talent moving forward and then meanwhile with the giants you have um mike glennon who i mean he came in to start for danny dimes who's who had uh, structural damage to his neck, according to the doctor. Um, we don't know how long Danny Dimes, old, old uh, uh, Daniel Jones, going to be out. But Mike Glennon, I mean, journeyman backup. We know the story of Mike Glennon, and the fact that Mike Glennon is still in this league is mind-boggling to me. But uh, obviously, he's not going to be the answer over there. The Giants are cooked. Their season is basically over. Although oh, yeah. they mathematically haven't been eliminated, they're done. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't see I don't see the Giants in the playoffs at all. I mean, it's it's not quite it's not quite a big a dumpster fire as uh, Houston or even as Houston, but uh, I mean it's it's still bad. Yeah, it's still it's bad. Still, it's it's bad. I mean, it's it's not as big as a, of a dumpster fire as Houston or even the lie downs, but I mean, it's still very very mm-hmm. bad. Right. Um, next up, you got the Bucks beating the Bills, 33-27. Look, uh, this one was a fun game, and uh, the Bills, it comes down to the wire. I mean, just comes down to the wire. Um, Bills couldn't get it done. Uh, it was an overtime game. Tom Brady does Tom Brady things in overtime. I mean, fun. No surprise. Yep, fun game to watch. Uh, Josh Allen, I mean, had himself a hell of a game in this one, and and we'll jump into Josh Allen shortly because goddamn, those stats were just outstanding. But the the Bills, they're slipping a little bit, and where we were talking about these guys as super, potential Super Bowl favorites, uh, you know, the the Bills are are, I mean, they're at seven and six. 
With that yeah. loss, they are outside of the playoff picture right now. Yeah, that's very it's, it's very surprising. I mean, yeah, I'm looking at the standings. I'm like, they're right at seven. Yeah, I mean, they're they're almost outside of the playoff picture. They they if they if they lose, like they're going to be way outside the playoff picture. This is a problem, and and I think if, if to me, I'll be honest, if the Bills miss the playoffs, I think you're you're calling for coaches' heads, and I like Sean McDermott. I think Sean McDermott's a very good coach, but you cannot <laughs> lose. The games that they've lost and the way that they've lost them and missed the playoffs, you can't do that. Not nope. with this team. No, nope. and you, you, you're gonna you're gonna have fans calling for blood. And uh, yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call out exactly what I said. What are the Bills missing? They don't have a running back, and and Devin Singletary is not the guy, and Zach Moss is not the guy. They they don't have a running back on that team, and and I don't understand like you. You had this one-dimensional offense all last season, and you don't have a running back, and you, you're wondering why your team is falling apart. And, and go get a running back. Go get Kenneth Walker, please. Do something. You know, get get something. Put him behind that line because you need it in Buffalo. Right. So the Bills dropped to seven and six. Meanwhile, the Bucks are <laughs> over here. They're in number one seed right now in the NFC, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, I mean, no, no surprise. The Bucks looking to run it back. You know, mm-hmm. do you think? Well, that- oh. and Tom Brady, you know, caps his 700th touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. So imagine that. Uh, Tom Brady has 100 touchdown passes in between his 600th and his 700th in one season. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> the guy I, has guy has alien blood. Yeah, it's it's wild. I, I just don't understand. Um, uh, Tom Brady, he's, he's something else. He really is something else. I, I and and granted, you know, he's over there with the Bucks. I understand he's got a plethora of weapons, but he still has to deliver the ball. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the Bucks are something else, man. And and that team is just very exciting. And we're going to be jumping into uh, a little bit of Buccaneer stuff very shortly here. I'm excited for that one. Um, next up, you got the Niners beating the Bengals 26-23 in overtime. Another overtime game. The Bengals right now, you know. At one point, they were the number one seed in the AFC, mm-hmm. and right now, I think they're just outside of the playoff picture. They, they you know, look, yep. I, I like Joe Mixon a lot, and and I know like he's he suffered that injury, and I I feel like the offense runs through Joe Mixon, and if Joe Mixon isn't rolling on all cylinders, the Bengals are not going to be successful. Am I wrong here? Nope, it doesn't look like it. I mean. You know, where's Jamar Chase? I mean, a couple weeks ago, we're, we're singing his praises about catching these bombs from uh, Joe Burrow and, and beating the crap out of the Ravens. Where has he been since then? He's, he, went, he had one catch. for He, he had a, a carry for six yards and five catches for 77 yards and yeah. two touchdowns. No, but, he had two TDs. Jamar Chase, so here's my thing. Like, like, did he look good in this last game? Sure. Sure, he looked good. But... Jamar Chase has had a steady decline um, within the season, and this is this—it's been a, like a five-game drought we, we've seen from from Jamar Chase. It's good that he got in the end zone twice this last game. It seems like he's starting to come out of that drought, but like I mean, for example, in my rookie rankings, he's dropped drastically because I mean he was number one in my personal ones. I had him at number nine. Yeah, that, that's how far he dropped. In, in a four-game, five-game span. And there are players out there 
that that I have on, that I had on mine that were, I mean, just playing better. And and th- this guy would like he was running away with this this situation. Yep, he was going to crush a receiving record in the whole nine yards. Now look at him. I mean, he's 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 just there in the middle. Yep, and I also want to point out the guy that's outperforming him throughout this entire stretch. T. Higgins has done it all five games. T. Higgins has been outperforming him. T. Higgins looks like the number one over there. He looks yeah. like more of a number one than Jamar Chase does. So I'm I'm kind of like, eh. and I love T. Higgins. I liked him coming out of the draft. I thought he was going to be something incredible. They wound up getting him in the second round, and I texted all you guys going, that kid's going to be a stud. And now it seems like T. Higgins, he's a big-bodied catcher or like receiver that can catch passes, uh, you know, in traffic and and all those contested passes. He's such a big-bodied dude that people are having trouble dealing with him. He's he's big, and people didn't realize how big of a guy he was. I mean, I I like T. Higgins a lot. I think he's a stud, and and really, I think Joe Burrow has two really good receivers in Higgins and Chase that that he can really roll with. So, I mean, is he coming out of the slump? Yeah, but I don't think he's fully there yet. We'll see. As it stands right now also, I just want to point out Jamar Chase. He's set to um, uh, be about 47 yards short of Justin Jefferson's rookie receiving record as it stands currently. So he's not on on par to crush it and destroy Justin Jefferson. (laughs) Kyler pointed out all those weeks. No, um, he'll squeak it out if, if if at all. Yeah. Next up, you got the Packers beating the Bears 45-30. to 30. Um, This one, weirdly high-scoring game. Justin Fields honestly doesn't look that bad in this game. He goes uh, 18 for 33, two touchdowns, two picks. He only had a 54% completion percentage, but hey, you know what? He didn't look half bad. Nine carries for 74 yards. Got to give the kid credit. He didn't look bad, but he didn't look Aaron Rodgers good. Nope. He, no, no. Well, nobody can look Aaron Rodgers good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. especially when you have uh, Devontae Adams as your number one. Yeah, he didn't. He did not look Aaron Rodgers good. Um, and and but he he was keeping his team alive in this game for a while. I was very surprised to see that the Bears were keeping up, and at one point they were leading the Packers like hef- heavily. Like it was like. Yeah. Is happening here? All, like, yep, all of all of Chicago's scoring happened in the second quarter, and then it just dropped off. But you know, Green Bay, you know, didn't really have an answer in the first quarter, and then second quarter was a little competitive, and then Green Bay started to run away with it. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers doing Aaron Rodgers things, but forty-five to thirty. I mean, it, it, it was just what else is new? Aaron Rodgers, the MVP talk. Packers getting it done, and they advance to ten and three. And I believe right now they're in the one. They're they're in the one or two seed. I think they might be in the two seed right now, up behind the box. There, there's a three-way tie in the standings right now between the Packers, the Bucks, and the Cardinals. All three teams are sitting at ten and three. <clears throat> right. uh, Espen's got them ranked uh, at the first seed for some reason, um, and it looks like uh, their their division wins keep have give them a slight edge over the Bucks. I believe that's what I'm seeing here. And obviously the Packers are going to have the division win. Uh, they've, they've got the win over the Cardinals, so they own the tiebreaker there um, yep. in, the, in the standing. So the Cardinals will be in the three seed, if I'm not mistaken, at the current moment. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's what I'm seeing. Yep. So, and also um, next up, last but not least, Monday Night Football, you got the Rams and the Cards. Rams beat the Cardinals 30-23. to 23. This Big was win. 
game. Um, you know, la- earlier this season, we saw the Cardinals just dominate the hell out of the Rams. Mm-hmm. The Rams come out with all these players out and all these guys, and I got to give Matt Stafford a ton of credit here. 20 for, 23 for 30, 287, three touchdowns on the day, 150.1 QBR. Um, and no interceptions. No yeah, you got yeah, he got sacked three times, but I mean, you're it's in the NFL. You know, you're gonna get sacked a couple times, right? But but it's just the fact that that they came out with all these players out with COVID, you know, and and they they were successful. They they beat a a fully healthy Cardinals team um, that had Kyler Murray back on the field. I mean, and they they kept Kyler Murray pretty well contained. I mean, he had two picks on the day. I mean, they did a really good job handling this situation. How about Sonny Michelle going 20, 20 carries for 79 yards? That doesn't yeah. hurt. Yeah, Sonny Michelle. I mean, and Tyler hates the guy, but I'm going to tell you, he has shown up as a number one back. He has. Daryl Henderson's out. Well, here comes Sonny Michelle. I think Sonny Michelle could wind up being a number one back somewhere if they, if in the right system. You know, somebody's going to pick up on him. Somebody's mm-hmm. going to get the contract. I like Sonny Michelle, and, and Tyler hates him, but hey, hell with Tyler. He's, he's, Sonny Michelle's a good one. He's, he's he's no showed the last three weeks. What are we talking about here? Hey, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, buddy. So uh, he, you know, the the Rams go ahead and get it done there, and the Rams are uh, in the playoff hunt right now. They're they're in the playoffs currently as it stands at nine and four. And folks, those are your scores for Week 14 in the NFL. Now, Alex, mm. uh, we have. Um, we have uh, some some rookie rankings to get to. We've got Freytown's Forgotten Five, but first of all, let's go ahead and jump into a little session we like to call Tyler's Top Ten. Tyler's Top Ten, and um, you know, I, I like uh, um, a lot of the picks that Tyler made this week. Uh, looking through them. And and I'm going to hammer on him a little bit, my forgotten five, because I, I know he purposely let, left one out, and I'm not going to let him get away with it. But Tyler's top ten, he's got, I mean, a lot of big performances this week. A lot of stupid big performances this week. Mm-hmm. Often, it was ridiculous. I mean, high-scoring games, players going off. So, um, number ten on Tyler's top ten we're gonna be talking Tyler Lockett five receptions 142 yards and a touchdown it's strange that in Seattle Tyler Lockett has become the number one receiver suddenly again um, and DK Metcalf has become something of an afterthought in with hmm. the Seahawks strange situation strange times in Seattle everybody thought DK Metcalf was going to continue that meteoric rise. DK Metcalf has been an afterthought for the last several games. I mean, he, he I mean, four catches for 43 yards in this last game. So, and then our Tyler Lockett putting up 142 and a touchdown. So the big story on Tyler Lockett for a while was that he was like a banger bus player. He would wind up like for like four games or three games out of the year, he would blow the hell up for like 200 yards and just set the world ablaze. But then every other game, it was like, oh, I'm not doing anything. And he's been a lot more consistent this year. And especially ever since Russ came back from his injury, he's been a lot more consistent. Even when Geno Atkins was in, or uh, I'm sorry. Geno Smith. Geno Smith, rather. Geno Smith was in. It it was a, uh, uh, 
well, the Tyler Lockett show. So I, I don't, and DK Metcalf has become something of an afterthought. Nobody's talking about DK Metcalf. And I'm amazed that nobody's talking about DK Metcalf. This kid, that kid's a stud. So you know, th- this is a kid, this is a guy that took an interception and almost uh, made it a pick six. Had he not had somebody catch up, you know, catch up to him. Yeah. Buddha, Buddha Baker's running down the field. DK Metcalf was so fast that he caught up to him. I mean, it was wild. So, I mean, I, I think they, the, uh, there's a problem in Seattle right now, and I think there's an underutilization of DK, and and I really just I believe DK Metcalf needs to get a little more love. But Tyler Lockett, man, putting up huge mm-hmm. numbers in this game. Russ Wilson suddenly has just been really focused on Tyler Lockett, and he's been playing good ball for several games now. Good on him, and, and he deserves to be number 10 here. Uh, number nine goes to Joe Burrow on Tyler's top 10, 25 for 34, 348, two touchdowns. Burrow had himself a very good game. Both those touchdowns obviously going to Jamar Chase. Um, Burrow was a guy that when he got hurt last year, we didn't think that he was going to be anything spectacular because before Mm -hmm. he got hurt, it was like, eh. This year has been an awesome year. He's obviously developing really well. He's got good receivers at his disposal. Jamar Chase, his old buddy from LSU, it was a great pickup. Um, I, I, I really like Joe Burrow and I think, I think the, the, uh, the Bengals there have a really good nucleus now. Yep. It starts with Joe. Burrow. Yep. I mean, well, in his last five games, he had 166, you know, 117 completions, uh, for 1,268 yards for a 71% completion rating. That's just his last five games. Uh, you know, even, even out on the, on the touchdowns and interceptions, you know, throughout the entire regular season, he's just under 70%. Uh, his quarterback, his QBR is 100.6. You know, I, I, I'm right there with you, Scott. I'm, I'm the, the, the Bengals got themselves a pretty fresh pick, uh, for a Heisman Trophy winner and a national and a, and a college football national champion, uh, in the former LSU Tiger. Yeah, I, I think I think he is just an outstanding selection. He he's been great for them, um, and and he's just going to keep developing. He's just going to keep getting bigger, bigger and better. You could see the Bengals in a Super Bowl at some point with this guy. I would love to see the big AFC title game showdown: Joe Burrow versus Justin Herbert. Ooh, what a, that would be good. That'd what be a great. Show up to be. That would be fun. Uh, number eight on Tyler's top ten goes to Tom Brady. Uh, Thirty-one for forty-six, three sixty-three, two touchdowns on the day. This is just Tom Brady. This is like par for the course at this point. <laughs> He's the goat. Yeah, that's it. Tom Brady, he's just, he's doing Tom Brady things. And, um, you know, the Bucks right now, obviously, they're in, they're in the fast lane to the playoffs. They're in the fast mm-hmm. lane to, to possibly run it back. Everybody keeps talking about that. They, might, they may repeat this year. I mean, they, it's, it's, a, it's a very distinct possibility. Yeah, and that was a very good goat, by the way. I appreciate <laughs> it. I really do. Um, number seven goes to Alvin Kamara, 27 carries, 120 yards and a touchdown. Gotta love what Alvin Kamara is doing ever since he came back from injury. He's been great. Uh, the the saints offense needs to run through him. Um, you know, you, you have to, that's, that's the reality. I, I, I like Alvin Kamara a lot. I still have questions about whether or not I think Alvin Kamara is an every down back, like like a, a handoff out of the backfield, downhill runner kind of guy. I really believe that Alvin Kamara is better suited as a change of pace guy. He's he's never broken a thousand as a primary rusher in his career. 
Right. I think I think you can attest that to the fact that he's also a receiving back. You know, um, as much as much as he is a forward rushing back, you know, whether it's just a quick screen pass to set up a big run or, you know, he ends up getting, you know, getting one across the middle. You know, he he was always like the change of pace to Latavius and and, or it was Latavius. And then before that, you know, he's always been the change of pace guy, always. And and ever since they they kind of converted him and then it was Mark Ingram for a little while was the other guy. And ever since they converted him to an every down back. Like he's been effective. I mean, obviously these numbers, he's been effective, but like, I, I just, I, maybe it's just me. I mean, and, and I see Alvin Kamara in a different light um, because what, what I see out of Alvin Kamara, I see a guy that is a, a change of pace guy that should be catching passes out of the backfield. I mean, let's, let's look, take a look at the numbers. Like when he's been a guy, like this is his one of his only his second, a hundred plus yard game. Uh, it, 83 five yards, which I won't even look at because I, I think he got hurt that game, but mm-hmm. 89 yards, 71 yards, 51 yards, 61 yards, 50 yards. I just, I don't buy Alvin Kamara as an every down back. Currently he's sitting at 530 yards on the season. Now I understand he was hurt. He played nine games this year, but <clears throat> 500, 500 yards. I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, that's okay. That's okay-ish, but you know who who do we pay attention to? The thousand-yard guys, you know, or the fifteen-hundred-yard guys. You're talking fifty-five yards a game, in, right? In, per per game now. So any 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 anybody worth their salt can do fifty-five yards. Yeah, and worth then, their salt. If, that's that's the key there. Yeah, and if he and if he played a full seventeen at that fifty-five yards, he would have been on pace for nine hundred and forty-four yards. So mm-hmm. he wouldn't have broken a thousand. I don't. Th- I just. I don't find him to be a one thousand yard rusher. I just think he needs to. And this is again. He had a great game this week. I, I just see there this past week. I just see a guy that that is not an every down running back. I don't think he should be an every down running back. I think he had a really good game this week against a really shoddy Jets team, mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of where it's at. But good on Alvin Kamara getting here. But I really think the Saints need to be looking for an every down back. That they can run the football with, you know that that should be their 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 guy. Perhaps they should pick somebody up in college. And I'm throwing I'm throwing darts, uh, but that kid from Ohio State is the first person that comes to my mind. Talk you know, he's probably going to be a mid second round draft pick. Uh, uh, what was that? Is it Isaiah Spiller? No. Um, Oh, God, he, 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 I forget what his name is. We'll have to we'll run it back. But um, I mean, maybe maybe they get somebody like him in like the the late first round or, or early second round. Right. I, I um, I'm I'm looking up the Ohio State running backs right now. Uh, that that are uh, you know, gonna be gonna be uh, coming out. I looking around. I'm not finding. Oh, okay. He's a fr- he was a freshman then. Never mind. He's he's still gonna be around. Oh, okay. He's he's going to be in Columbus next year, so yeah. That forget, yeah. I no, forget right. what I said. But no, I I think a guy like Isaiah Spiller would be a good pick out of Texas A and M. I think he he would be a good selection for them. But they've got to get an every down back unless they're going to go ahead and extend Ingram. Um, mm-hmm. Ever since he got traded over there, but they need to find the every down back guy. Right. Um, number six goes to Devonte Adams. You talked about him earlier. Ten receptions, 121 yards, two touchdowns. Big day for Devonte Adams. You know that Rogers Adams combo is just. Yep. It's so, a one. It's a knockout one-two punch. 
you yeah. know, one of the most lethal combinations in football right now. Yeah, and I, I'm a firm believer that if Aaron Rodgers does leave the Packers, wherever he goes, Devontae mm-hmm. Adams is going to go with him. He's gonna yep. find, They're going to walk around as a package deal for the rest of Aaron Rodgers' career. But I believe that Devontae Adams, wherever he goes, is going to be a success with whichever quarterback he's with. Doesn't matter. He's going to be a success anywhere he goes. Yep. Um, number five goes to Melvin Gordon. 24 carries, 11 yards, two touchdowns. He had himself a great game. You know, obviously he out-touched Javante Williams. I still think Javante Williams is the better runner, to be honest with you. I don't right. understand that. Sometimes I feel like in the league, there are certain players that they have that that coaches are, are like drawn to for some weird reason and that they just give more love to and more attention to, even if they're not producing as much or as effectively. And and I feel like Javante Williams gives the Broncos the best opportunity to win, the best chance to win. I don't think Melvin Gordon does, but right. they keep going back to that Melvin Gordon well. And mm-hmm. I don't I don't understand it. I don't buy it. But hey, you know they're going to keep going to that well for the rest of the season. I think <laughs> trying to get their money's worth. Sure, <laughs> and then and then and then dump them at after the season's over. Right, right. I, I think that's where it's at. But he had a, hit himself a hell of a game against a very rough Lions team. Um, really just knocked it out of the park. So, so good on him. Uh, number four goes to George Kittle, 13 receptions, 151 yards and a touchdown. I see you nodding over there with your fantasy football love for old George <laughs> Kittle. Yep. Blown up yeah. in two games, 13 receptions. This is George Kittle, like looking like the George Kittle of old. Yeah. Um, it's good to see. And it's refreshing to see, uh, hopefully that, that they can keep that, that kind of momentum, you know, going into the playoffs and the rest of the season. Uh, but it's good. It's good to know that uh, you know he put up some numbers this week. If you know Kittle is is an interesting, um, it's interesting because he he's such a, a great tight end, and they haven't really had much of his services over the course of the last few years due to injury. But when he's healthy, man, he is a dangerous, dangerous player, and and people need to to pay more attention to. Oh, hey, George Kittle's back out there. I think this lull this time off that he's had from like not playing. It just seems like people forgot about him and, and now he's back on the field. Everybody's taken by surprise. Like, Oh shit, George Kittle's here. Oh man. Oh, we, we, for, we forgot about him. We were busy looking at Debo Samuel over here. Yep. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean that, that just give, I guess that just kind of, you know, kind of a segue gives you an idea of the kind of player Debo Samuel is, Yeah. but still, I mean, you know, hats off to Kittle for, you know, being able to, to, to fill in that role uh, when, okay, we need a second up. Oh, there's my guy. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, that's kind of what I, what I think we're, we're seeing there. I think George Kittle is, is arguably one of the best tight ends in football. And uh, yeah, here we go. George Kittle looking like the George Kittle we saw a few years back when he uh, blew onto the scene there. Um, number three has sort of a strange one and, but it, it makes sense. But man, a guy's name that we haven't talked about in a little bit, Rashad Penny. The running yeah. back from the Seattle Seahawks, uh, 16 carries, 137 yards, two touchdowns on the day, had himself an awesome game. Uh, and and I mean, could what do you think, Alex? Is this a, a one-hit wonder, or could the Seattle Seahawks have found their running back post-Chris Carson after all of Chris Carson's injury issues? Well, uh, let's just take a look at his last five games. I mean, he had 41 attempts uh, for 207 yards, so, you know, f- almost five yards a carry so you know 
I mean, statistics say one thing. I mean, but the NFL is weird. I mean, yeah. if we take a look at the Seahawks' remaining schedule, you know, they have I may have said this before. They have the Rams next. They have the Rams on the 21st. You know, they got that game got moved more on that later. You know, they have the Bears, the Lions, and the Cardinals. Um, it, it, it's it's uh, it's possible. Um, you know, and if if Carson, you know, somehow gets better, then, then you know, maybe might, they'll move back to him. Well, but he, it look, it, he did get counted out for the season. He had he does okay. he does have a neck injury, so he did get counted out for the year. I think. Here's the this will be a real test, I think. Yep. Because looking at the schedule, you going down that schedule, you got three teams that are good against the run there. Three mm-hmm. teams that are really stout up front. And and the other team is the Lions. So yep. I mean, you know, it's kind of eh, okay, we'll see. Penny's a good running back, uh, as far as I can tell so far. I thought when he got drafted, and maybe he's developed, because when he got drafted, we all laughed. We were all mm-hmm. like, what? Rashad Penny, first round? What is this? You remember that? I, I We mm-hmm. were all standing there. Well, oh. Scratching our heads. Yeah, we're all going, what the fuck is Pete Carroll doing? We were all, we, like, we were talking to each other going, what the hell is that? Tyler? Now, that, this, now this, is, this is three years ago. You know, yeah. uh, he was 27th pick of the first round. Look yeah, where he and, is now. And, and like, we, we, we laughed about it. I mean, maybe he's developed. I mean, he was garbage for the first couple of years, but maybe we fi- he's finally figured it out. You know, that's, you know, for his sake, maybe he's figured it out, but <laughs> well, well, we, they'd better hope so. If they're going to keep up that, uh, that, that, uh, that running streak that they've got a winning streak that they've got to hopefully stay in the playoff hunt. Right. And, and I, I mean, he's, he's proving to be a good running back right now. So well, we got, we got something, you know, brewing there. Yep. We sure do. Number two, however, goes to Aaron Rodgers. Yes, that's right. Number two goes to Aaron Rodgers after a four touchdown performance. 29 for 37, 341 yards, four touchdowns. He had a 151.5 QBR. Um, huge game for Aaron Rodgers. I understand the Bears defense isn't the Bears defense that we are used to to seeing and and we haven't, but man, golly, Aaron Rodgers. Un- unreal. He's in the MVP talk right now, currently jousting with Tom Brady for that. Do you think Aaron Rodgers could repeat as the league MVP? It's entirely possible. Again, uh, you keep that you keep that connection with the De- Devonte Adams, and you know you also have you know the rest of his teammates uh, in you know you know his running backs, all that. I, I think you do have a shot at it. I mean, you know, Tom's probably going to fight like hell to try to pry that away from Aaron. Right. You know, uh, but. You know, it it is a very distinct possibility right now that in the year of our Lord, 2021, you know, it's Rodgers versus Brady, who's the better man this year. What else is new? I mean, right. <laughs> I think, you know, we're, we're talking about um, we're, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers. I, I think he I, I do think he takes the MVP again. And, mm-hmm. and he's been he's just so good. I, I and he's doing all this, all this stuff he's doing. He's doing with a busted toe. I mean, as much as I hate Aaron Rodgers and, and yeah. as happy as I was that Anthony Barr broke his collarbone a few years ago and as arrogant of a dick as I think he is yeah. and as much as I think he should have been suspended for COVID protocols, at the end of the day, I can't deny his his playing ability. Nope. And at the end of the day, I can't deny like how good he's been. I really think that Aaron Rodgers, if I'm being honest, I, I think he might go down as uh, – he might be surpassing Favre as the greatest Packers quarterback of all time. 
That is a bold prediction, Cotton, yeah, but it's a good, might, but it yeah, makes I sense. Hitting that point. I mean, they're, they're, he's just so good. Just mm-hmm. good. Um, hey, hey, Stephen A says all the time, he's a bad, bad man. He is. He is a bad, bad man. He's, he's really that good. I, I like Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback and I just he, hate him as a person. Especially I, with that situational football, two minute war, two minute drive, no timeouts. Okay, I've got a minute on the clock. Let's go. If, if there's one quarterback you want, it's Aaron Rodgers. At that yep. Point. And really, and that's any in-game circumstance, really. I, I, I think he's just, as much as I hate the guy. Yep. As he, much as we all hate the guy, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, first fail of Hall of Fame. You, you can hate him all you want, but he's still, he's still a great quarterback. Right. Uh, but number one on the week, and this one was sort of a no-brainer, and I, I, so Tyler sends me this list and he, he didn't have it in order initially. And I called right. him out for it. And I said, Hey, hang on a minute. And he, he, this doesn't seem right. And he goes, Oh shit. I forgot to put it in order uh, because this guy needed to be number one. And, and I think we all knew it. Dalvin cook, my boy, mm-hmm. um, 27 carries 205 yards, two touchdowns on the day. Um, on the night, yeah, basically carrying the Vikings on his back, uh, you know, against the Steelers. Yeah. Kirk cousins did not have a good night, but Dalvin cook sure as hell did. He was hurt. This is a guy that had an injured shoulder comes mm-hmm. in the game, lowers that shoulder and is just destroying people. I loved what Dalvin cook did in this game. And I thought it was a statement on his but, part to say, I will play hurt to get this play, this team into the playoffs. That my friend is a, Peter, a lot of people were wondering where Dalvin, you probably, you most of all, I'm sure were wondering where the hell Dalvin cook's been all season long, yeah. you know, because you, you, you were, you were going, why is this guy not getting more touches? Why are we not running the ball more? Why is happy feet, you know, dancing around in the pocket and getting, and, you know, getting hurried and get, well, he didn't get sacked this last game, but you get the idea, yeah. you know? So when Dalvin cook's been on the field, he normally plays pretty well. I mean, like he's, he's had, you know, let's see four games over a hundred yards, one game over 200 yards. But he, I mean, even in his regular appearances, we're talking 86, 94, um, you know, uh, 78. So he's, he's hitting his numbers, but Dalvin has been a little rough this season at, at certain times. And then plus he's got in the injury bug, even with being hurt for a few games. I mean, he's played, let's see, 10 games this year. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it looks like 10 games. And he has 978 yards. So, I mean, he's that's really a solid, solid number there. He's obviously going to break 1,000. But Dalvin is just, he, he, the health has always been a concern. It's always been an issue for Dalvin Cook. That's where we're at with Dalvin. And, and that's my number one concern. As, as it pertains to him is, is can he stay healthy and for, but for him to go out there with an injured shoulder this week and, and just say, fuck you guys, you're not taking yep. off that field. I'm going to go out and I'm just about to destroy people. And that's exactly what he did. And he was lowering the shoulder and bulldozing guys. He was taking mm-hmm. linebackers and dropping them. And right. I'm, Whoa, where did all this come from? And like <laughs> Dalvin's fast. I know Dalvin cook is fast, but let me just explain something. I didn't realize he was that fast. Like when he's pissed off, dude, man, that guy run. I was watching him going, holy shit, look how quick he's moving. I've seen Delvin run at a pretty fast speed. Not like that. 
Mm-hmm. Not like, and and if there's <clears throat> if this guy continues to run like that, we could very well be talking about Dalvin Cook running this team into the playoffs on his own. And <laughs> I, I'm like, well, okay, you know, I wouldn't I mean, be that. Yeah, I mean, uh, one can only hope. I mean, you know, with 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 the deter- with the help with, with the determination like that. I mean, especially when you get get it in his ear. Okay, we got to win or we're not in. Then it's like, okay, motherfucker. So I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the I'm gonna put the goggles down. I'm gonna we're gonna go to work here. You know. So you you have to have that sense of urgency as an organization to realize, hey, we're six and seven. I mean, we're on the cusp of you know we're on the outside looking in. We need to we need to be able to uh, convincingly get into, you know, get ourselves a playoff spot. Yep, and they have an opportunity. They they've got a, a one really really tough game against the Rams coming up, but I, mm-hmm. I really do think they they have a, a really viable shot at making the playoffs. They're going to have a really tough game this week, Soldier Field in prime time. You know, against the Bears. I you know, and the Bears are notoriously Akeem Hicks is is on the field, so he's always been Dalvin's biggest headache. I want to see if the Vikings can get it done at Soldier Field against the Bears and, and see if we can really put this one to bed um, and, and say, hey, we finally beat him. And we beat him at Soldier Field last year. I get it, but it was a real tight one. I want to see if they can definitively you know, come through. And I want to see if Dalvin, if he can have a repeat performance that he had last week. Um, and we're going to this this discussion is perfect about Dalvin Cook. Because it takes me into our next segment, which I want to talk about a little bit. It's called Raytown's Forgotten Five. Raytown's Forgotten Five. And uh, I have an honorable mention for you, Alex. Mm-hmm. I have an honorable mention. And wow. this is that Dalvin Cook talk was a great segue because my honorable mention goes to the Vikings offensive line. Hmm. The holes, nice. the holes that were created. Those running lanes for Dalvin Cook in that game. I mean, I don't know if you saw the same thing that I was looking at, but man, mm-hmm. no, I, I I I saw lanes that you could drive a truck through during that yeah. game. Yeah, I watched I watched that too. Massive, massive lanes to be able to push that Steelers and and everybody talked about T.J. Watt this, T.J. Watt that. Well, T.J. Watt was a non-factor. Hammered <laughs> away <laughs> on that defensive line of the Steelers. So good on the Minnesota Vikings offensive line. Um, they had a rough go this season and you know what it seems. And, and I also want to point out in that offensive line, it's kind of strange. Garrett Bradbury has not had a good year and right. we picked up Mason Cole from, from Arizona in a trade with a six rounder and Bradbury and Cole playing next together, next to each other. Those guys together are, are fantastic in that interior. And we may have found a one, two punch and obviously there's a small sample size. So we'll right. see. We'll see. But, yeah, I mean, kind of, kind of a fun thing to watch there. It was pretty exciting. Um, but number five on Freytown's Forgotten Five goes to a guy that Tyler hates, mm-hmm. doesn't want to talk about, and he's going to get angry about. But you know what? He had himself a hell of a game. Taysom Hill, fifteen for twenty-one, one hundred and seventy-five yards passing. But wait, there's more. Yeah. A- carries for 73 yards two touchdowns and tyler can't even argue it you know why 
Because yards from scrimmage, baby. Yep, the numbers do not lie. We may have the next coming of Russell Wilson on our hands based on that game. Let's yeah. find out, but it's exciting to watch. Yeah, and you know what, Tyler Tyler can't even argue it because he loves yards from scrimmage. He loves it. <laughs> he, he talks about yards from scrimmage constantly. Oh, yeah, you know, you'll have a guy that had like uh, a running back that had like 20 rush yards, but if he had 70 yards pass or receiving, oh, buddy, he had yards for scrimmage. That's what matters. Well, (laughs) we are, buddy. Taysom Hill, 175 yards passing, 11 carries, 73 yards, two TDs out of his legs. Taysom Hill, number five on the Forgotten Five. Eat Mm -hmm. it, Tyler. Number four. Number four goes to Leonard Fournette. Mm -hmm. Uh, 19 carries, 113 yards, and a touchdown. He had a 5.9 average on the day against a very, very good Buffalo Bills defense. How do you forget that freight train? I mean, what? Who? how did he jump the tracks? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Leonard Fournette, one thing I want to point out about Fournette is I'm fascinated by the fact that he took over that running back role from Ronald Jones because that was Ronald Jones's spot. Last year, Jones was the lead back. And Fournette had a very good postseason. He ended the season strong. And yeah. that Leonard Fournette was not a name that I heard a whole lot in the NFL. I mean, I heard it enough in LSU, but right. not, not in the pros. Not you know, the- when he came over to Jacksonville, a lot of us were talking about him. We we did like Leonard Fournette a lot when he when he was in Jacksonville. I mean, ever since then it's been like, eh, okay, Man. whatever. Um, but now he's with the Bucs and, and he's the lead back over there. I'm amazed at uh, like Part of me is surprised that he took the job from Ronald Jones, and part of me isn't. But, you know, Ronald Jones ran so effectively, I didn't think he was going to, you know, I didn't think he was going to lose that. And and But Fournette, because of that offseason, Fournette takes the starting job. He leads that backfield, and he's been tearing it up. Mm-hmm. So, got Leonard Fournette at number four. Number three goes to your boy. Justin Herbert, 23 for 31, 275 yards, three touchdowns. Great game for old Justin Herbert. Um, you know, there there was a spot during the season where Justin Herbert was a little hit or miss. Yep. And uh, I, I, th- I think it was, dur- well, it, it was shortly after the Kansas City game, the first one. Because, yeah, yeah Justin Herbert won that game. You know, and and the, and the Kansas City Chiefs were like, oh, they we, they were not like the the Chiefs we were understood. I was like, is this real life? Shortly after that, you know, he was hit or miss. Now he's getting back in stride, just in time for the playoffs. Yeah, he, there was a stretch there because it, it, early on, you know, like he he was he was good early on, and and I mean, look at this: Chiefs four touchdowns against the Raiders, three touchdowns against the Browns, four touchdowns. He had one touchdown against the Ravens, but then, and, and that's where it all started. One touchdown, two touchdowns, two touchdowns, one touchdown, and then it goes three, two, three, three, two. So I mean, he's been on fire um, ever since. And here we are, Justin Herbert, just, I mean, rocking and rolling. I believe this kid's a stud. Mm-hmm. I think he's got uh, uh, Canton written all over him. I mean, yep. and that's where he's, he's going to be headed, but he gets it done. Um, and, and I, I'm just absolutely loving that guy. Number two goes to a guy that I know you're going to be excited to talk about too. Matt Stafford, uh, 23, 23 for 30, 287 yards, three touchdowns against a very, very tough Cardinals defense. Yep. 
if if you want to talk about statement games, I would have to argue this would be one of them because again, you know, we're talking about a team, you know, that over the last several years has been kind of the, one of the standard bearers in the NFL. And when you get Matthew Stafford with the weapons he has now, Cooper Cup, OBJ, Van Jefferson, and Sony Michelle, you know, you, you get you get that core of, of of players around him and a young coach in Sean McVay. You know, it, it's a far cry from Detroit, obviously, but you know, yeah. this just kind of solidifies the fact that hey, you know, this guy is going to be, you know, it's it's going to be tough sledding against him with any team. Yeah, he's Stafford came in. You know, I always say that they, he, he was never treated like a star in Detroit. People liked him a lot. People were excited about Matt Stafford, but he was never treated like a star. And then he came over to, to the Rams, and he's been treated since he walked down there. There's that. He, he's been strutting ass out on that field every week. Yeah. He's been treated like a star. And, and, and he, he deserves every bit of it. He really does. And he's played extraordinarily well. I love what Matt Stafford's been doing. But on top of what you're saying, this is a Rams team that did what they did last week with a ton of guys out, mm-hmm. a ton of players missing. And if you, you're right, if this is, if there was ever like a statement game, this is a statement game because they did it with all those guys out. They, they made sure that, that they had like, you know, I've got my, my, uh, my ducks in a row here. I'm going to take it to this Cardinals team. I don't give a shit if Jalen Ramsey's out. I don't give a shit if, right. if our, one of our lead safeties out is out. I don't care if we've got 20 guys on COVID. Fuck them. Okay. We're going to go out there and just dominate. And that's what he did. He went out there and dominated. you got to love that. Yeah, I mean, and when you look on the other side with, with Arizona's stats, I mean, A.J. Green had seven catches for 102 yards. James Conner had nine for 94. DeAndre Hopkins, who I believe is out for the rest of the season, had five to 54. And and Murray and Hopkins were supposed to be that one-two punch. So with, with, a, with a, you know, dangerous quarterback like Kyler Murray on the field, who not only is a great passer, but he also has his legs. He's a mobile quarterback. You know, this is Arizona has been a team to watch out for this entire season. Yeah, you know, I, so this is this is a big win. For, this is a big win for Stafford and company. Yeah, I think the Rams. They're they're if there was ever a need a win that they needed, so mm. that they make make their way and they they're still fighting for that one for that that first place spot in that division. I mean, it's still still out there. So I mean, we got to keep an eye on it. The Rams are starting to rev up, and and I've got to love it. But number one goes to a guy. Even in the loss, he he did really really well. Josh Allen, even in losing to the Bucs, he had himself a hell of a game. 36 for 54. He had 308 yards, two touchdowns. He did have a pick. But then he also had 12 carries for 109 yards and a touchdown on top of that. Um, we're, we're talking about, you know. <laughs> a mercurial talent here. 400 yards from scrimmage for, for old Josh Allen. <laughs> yards from scrimmage. <laughs> you you got to love that. And that's kind of what put him over the edge was that, those rushing yards. Got to enjoy that. I, uh, Josh Allen tearing it up, um, even in the loss. And and the Bills right now are, are holding on for dear life. We'll see if they can continue holding on. But I like Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. And I think if you get that guy a running back, we're going to be singing a different tune uh, at around the same time next year. They need their Thurman Thomas. That's what they <laughs> need. They need their Thurman Thomas. Well, and- they have the they have the Panthers, the Patriots, the Falcons, and the Jets. 
So they actually have a pretty light schedule uh, to round out the season. So I would be very disappointed to see the Buffalo Bills not go 11 and 6. Right. And and that's my thing. I I think they should be 3 and 1 at the end of that stretch. Yeah. I, I really do. I think 3 and- I, I I say 4 and 0. Oh. That's ballsy. That's a bold that's, that's a bold, bold that's a bold uh, prediction card, but I'm ta- I'm calling it. Bills are going 4 and 0 oh against and what team do you? Th- I think you know. It sounds we might be on the same wavelength here, but the Patriots might yeah. be that one loss. That's going to be that's going to be a nail biter. That's going to be a dog fight for sure. Yeah, the Patriots are are the one where I think they they it's up in the air because they they've been playing weirdly weirdly good football. Mm-hmm. Um, the Patriots are something to, that I, I man, there's something to behold. <laughs> I mean, well, you, you do have to realize who's at the helm and who's who's coaching that team. Yeah. Old Billy. Old Billy Belly. Old Billy Belly. And uh, yeah, the, the Patriots are going to be the tough one. But I, I mean, I like Josh Allen. And, yeah. and I, I really do think that, that the, he's a good leader for that Buffalo Bills team. And I think they have got a really good defense over there. Um, the, the Bills have a, an opportunity to make the playoffs. How far they go is going to be up in the air. I would love to see the Bills in a Super Bowl again. I think that would just. That would take me right back to my childhood <laughs> <laughs> when they won. Then when they went to the Super Bowl for four straight years and lost four straight times, you, know, you, you want so that fifth one, you really got to get a win to kind of, kind of, you know, dash, yeah. you know, take the edge off a little bit. <laughs> really, really get the shot in the arm for that community. Right. So uh, there's that for for the Forgotten Five, but uh, this is part of uh, uh, you know one of Tyler's favorite segments, and I'm sure one of yours. Um, the forgetful five, where we get to crap on people for a minute. Um, and number five, I am going to give this up to the Minnesota Vikings outside of Dalvin Cook. Yep. Because the Minnesota Vikings were unable to sustain a drive in the second half versus the Steelers. They nearly gave up a 29-point lead in the second half, and really just in the fourth quarter. Um, so number five goes to the Minnesota Vikings. Just a mess. Yep. Um, yeah, well, it, that I saw that I saw a Steelers team basically rally. No NFL team in history had ever blown a twenty-nine point lead, right? You know, and thank goodness you guys you know dodged the bullet there. But it, it, it it's it was something to behold. Yeah, we were already the laughing stock for losing the Lions. The, the last thing we needed was to blow a twenty-nine point lead to a team that tied the Lions. Right, exactly. Uh, number four goes to Cam Newton. Uh, 15 yep. 23, 178. He had a pick on the day. Cam did not look good in this game. Um, Cam Newton has, has, you know, he, he came out like a, the, the princess and turned into the pumpkin or the carriage and turned into a pumpkin, you know, at, yep. at, uh, at the onset of this game. Overrated. Uh, yeah. Overrated. I think he's cooked. I think he's just about done. They, yep. I think he, he had his, his good time. He was one of the best quarterbacks in football at one point and that's all well and good. But not right. I think Cam is done. Number three goes, and this one will be one that Tyler's excited about. He's going to be happy about Taylor Heineke. He did not have a good game at all. Eleven for twenty-five, one twenty-two, one touchdown, one pick. Heineke just was not accurate in this game. Um, and we've—it's weird because I've had him on both the forgetful five and the forgotten five like several times. I mean, it yeah. seems like week over week he's shifting from one to the other. He's no. hot. He's cold. He's hot. He's not. Yeah, you know. it's it, it just never ceases to amaze me uh, how many times we've had Tyler Heineke, Taylor Heineke on on one or the other. 
Yeah, it's just <laughs> like every week I feel like I'm shifting the guy from one list to the, the next. But Heineke winds up on that list. Number two goes to Zach Wilson. Uh, Zach Wilson goes 19 for 42, 200 yards. He had a 45% completion percentage uh, on the game against the Saints. Now, look, I understand the Saints defense really, really tough. Um, and I know Zach Wilson hasn't gotten his full play. Saints or the Falcons? The Saints. Oh, okay. Zach will. Oh, you, you said Zach Wilson. My bad. I thought you said uh, Sam Darnold. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Zach Wilson. Um, he, okay. he just looked rough. I, I just, eh, eh. I mean, Zach, well, he hasn't, he hasn't gotten his full playing time. I get it. He's a rookie. You know, he's, he's going to have to develop, but this is not the way to develop a quarterback. And I think he's going to wind up ultimately being a failure in the league if they don't develop him properly. Yep. Set him on the bench, get a, get a veteran and have him just sit back and watch the game. Who saw that shit? Yep. And uh, number one on the forgetful five, and this one kind of hurts because I really like this guy, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, mm. 221, he had four interceptions on the day. It was it was a bad go, but I, I just, when we're going to jump into it in a minute, but Trevor Lawrence needs the proper coaching. He needs a guy that's going to be a quarterback-friendly coach, and and we're going to jump into to that whole thing shortly here after we get to our after the break and after we talk about our rookie rankings here. But um, just just a mess for Trevor Lawrence. He had he had a rough go, and uh, that is Freytown's uh, forgetful five. Now, I want to jump into the rookie rankings here before we go into break. Um, Tyler and I uh, went through. We created our our combined. Rookie rankings. The mathematician himself went through, and uh, kind of we we he kind of just made it all. He put it all together. He does that every week. Um, he's the math guy, so he does that type of thing. Um, so here's our rookie rankings. Uh, on the outside looking in for our combined rookie rankings, we've got Devonte Smith on the bottom, the Eagles wide receiver. He's been good. He's made our list a couple of times, but he's dropped off a little bit. Uh, you know, he's he's a good receiver. I think they found their guy. He's going to develop a little more, but I don't think he's going to wind up being rookie of the year. Um, Javante Williams, you know, he's come on recently. He he seeded a lot of carries to Melvin Gordon. He was moving up the list a little bit, and he actually jumped onto my list um, last week but then he kind of jumped off the list uh this past week because of the performance uh, of melvin gordon and the way he was seeding carries to him um naji harris which i'm still fascinated by that that he's still like just narrowly on the outside looking in because naji harris I, that may, i think tyler has had naji harris way too high on his list for a while mm. um jalen waddle is a guy on the outside looking in um, he narrowly made my list, actually. Um, I had him at number six outside looking in. Tyler had a pretty low. And then um, the the number 11 guy, we can say, is Adafi Owe. Um, mm-hmm. Owe's had a good year. Uh, I called it out last week and the week before when we were on there. Adafi Owe, Tyler, is um, he's been, been homering it pretty hard for old Adafi Owe. and and i i've had Oway off of my list uh for a while he's been very low on my list is in 10 and 9 i like adafi Oway. i just want to make that clear i like him a lot but um i had him as like number 15 on my list and tyler has him if i have him number 15 tyler probably has him like number like 10 or 11 
I just don't think Owe has had that good of a season. And it's a pretty steep drop for Owe because last week he was actually on the list and Tyler like had him relatively high. And and when I <laughs> I actually <laughs> questioned him about it, I said, Hey, hang on a minute. You know, why is this guy still <laughs> still up there? And he was just like, well, he's always pressuring the quarterback. And I said, he's got a 66 quarterback re- uh, pass rush rating, Tyler. What are we talking about? And <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's not like it's a 96. Yeah, yeah. And we'll we'll talk about a guy with one of those pretty soon here. But, you know, I, I, yeah, and, and so I think he kind of dropped him out a little bit. He kind of realized, oh, shit. So, um, yeah, I, I think there was a little bit of homerism going on there. But Adafi Owe winds up at number 11. Now, moving into the, the top 10 rookie rankings here, number 10, Jeremiah Owuso-Karamoa. He is the uh, the defensive end, and that, that is, I guess he's technically just an edge uh, from, from Cleveland. Owuso-Karamoa, he was great for uh, Cleveland early on, missed some games uh, this season. One big thing that, that we talk about in the wrestling world and a big thing that we talk about in the football world is availability and reliability. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about. Owe missed a number of games, uh, missed about a month's worth of games. He was number one on our list for a minute. I just want to point that out. He was number one, mm-hmm. and then because of his lack of availability for a month, he just fell off completely. <clears throat> but he's made his way back onto the list. He's playing very effectively for the Browns. I mean, Jeremiah Owusu Karamoa. I mean, Alex, how much do you like this kid? Well, uh, I, I really don't, I really can't say, you yeah. know, I mean, I, I'm just, lo- I'm just going to take a quick look, you know, at his statistics here. Um, you know, I, don't, I guess I don't have access to a whole bunch of information, but if he's an inside, li- apparently he's supposed to be an inside linebacker yeah. uh, for, you know, he, they drafted him in the second round. Um, I mean, it was, it was a good pick for the second round. I don't think anybody expected him to be as good as he was. Going right. in the second round, really? I don't. I think people were were kind of like, man, he's going to be all right. Like, like, and and for him to turn out the way he turned out, I mean, let's seventy nine point seven overall PFF grade. You're talking his run defense is a seventy three point five. He had a sixty in sixty five point six pass rush, seventy seven in coverage. He's a good coverage linebacker, and, yeah. and that's and his run defense is really solid. He, I mean. You gotta like what he's doing. I mean, yeah. the Browns, and the Browns' defense has been really solid this year, and uh, he's definitely part of that reason. <laughs> Absolutely. So I mean, it, it fifty-two overall to get a player like that at fifty-two overall, like you were saying, mm-hmm. just uh, I mean, steal. Absolutely. You know, yeah, you're saving draft space. You're, you, you know, you're getting a decent player, and you know, you're not paying him as much. You know, on the outset. So, you know, you, you have that going for you. You know, and uh, I but, want to point out uh, Notre Dame, because he's from Notre Dame. He's, he's a yep. Notre Dame uh, guy. They just have a knack for producing fucking linebackers. I don't know what right. it is about Notre Dame and producing linebackers, but they have a knack for producing some of the best fucking linebackers to come into the NFL, right? Yep. I mean, I mean, yep. I mean, they had Manti Teo for a while. I mean, they had... Uh, you know, I, I can't think of any others off the top of my head. I mean, but I mean, Teo is still in this league. He's, he's still. still that's I, mean, I, I, I haven't heard his name in quite a while. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing that you know he's still in it. 
Yeah, he's still in the league. So I mean, you know, I, I look at it and I'm like, huh, this is this is interesting. I I, I want to find out where Manti Teo is actually playing. I'm kind of off topic here, but uh, right. let's see, Manti Teo uh, drafted by the Chargers. Don't know where he's playing now. He might he he might he might have bounced. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> no wonder we haven't heard of him. I mean, I but, know for a while he was he was with the Saints for a hot minute, but yeah, I, I, I mean that, I mean he did get get clowned over the whole the whole thing with his with his with his with his invisible girlfriend. That was that uh, was entertaining. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And now now he's getting clowned over the fact that his his current girlfriend is the head cheerleader from Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> no joke. Yeah, the, <laughs> that's the same thing. <laughs> Man, yeah, I, I uh, that, that's that's a name I didn't. Uh, that's a name I wasn't expecting to hear again. But <laughs> he's he's a, he's actually currently a free agent, which I'm I'm a little surprised by. I think he's actually mm. he'd be a good be a good linebacker in the league. A lot of people somebody have, could pick him up. Yeah. Uh, number nine, however, moving up the list here uh, goes to Trey Smith. Trey mm. Smith, uh, he's he's been rock solid. He's been sitting at around this point. Um, he did drop a little bit on my list this week. Um. I like Trey Smith. He, he's been one of the, the top rated rookie linemen throughout this season. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's been really good. Him, him next to Creed mm-hmm. Humphrey, been rock solid. They, they got him on a, a, as a steal, really. That's, that's what he is. I mean, they, they've, he's just been out, outstanding. He was, he was number two among uh, interior offensive linemen in the 2021 draft. I, I really do like Trey Smith a lot. He he's just killing it. Yeah, I mean he did a five he did a five oh nine and forty yard dash. You know, he, you know he's he's got pretty you know pretty fairly large hands at nine and three quarter inch. Um, I mean I'm just looking up num- you know looking up numbers on Espen. But well, one, one thing I want to point is like his run blocking grades are ridiculous. Seventy five mm-hmm. run blocking grade. I mean it, it, it seventy two overall overall grade. He's one of the best linemen in football. And you know where they got him? Picked got him in the twenty-seven, the sixth round. Yes, I saw that. So he, they got him in the sixth round. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. That's like that's like that's like digging in the bottom of the barrel and finding a piece of gold. Yeah, and, and he's, he leads the the league in snaps played for offensive linemen. So think about that. Think about, mm-hmm. about you know how big of a steal they got at the guard position there. Gotta love what what the the Chiefs have managed to accomplish um, with with Trey Smith. I I mean he's only allowed four sacks this year. It's eighth in the league. I mean, <laughs> for I mean, for a six round guy, a six round guy. It's insane. Yeah. It, it, it's it's insane. You know, hopefully his stock continues to rise. Yep. Um, next up, number eight goes to Javon Holland. He's the safety from the Miami Dolphins. You know, he, he started out real quiet. Javon mm-hmm. Holland, we, we knew he was going to be like a second or third round guy. He wound up going second overall or second round, 36th overall to the uh, the Dolphins here. He started slow, but man, I got to tell you, in the last six weeks, Javon Holland has just been lights out. Um, overall, he he's brought his, I mean, from a pro football focus grade, and I know Tyler likes to clown on PFF and it's not the story, but whatever. Yeah, eighty-one. Unless the Ravens do it, it's only cool if the Ravens do it. But, <laughs> right. Um, He's already got two sacks this year. 
He's already had a, 35 solo tackles. He's got two picks. But look at the, the big number I want to point out. <coughs> 83.4 coverage grade. Yeah. Like, like that that's pretty fucking incredible. And his run defense is a 74.8. I mean, he's a good safety. He's He's turning into one of the best safeties out of this draft. And nobody seems to be talking about him. But when I noticed, like, hey, this this guy, he's he's been tearing it up. I had to get him on my list. He had yep. to get on there. I mean, it it just made sense. Um, I like Javon Holland a lot. I think this the the Dolphins found their their replacement uh, after losing Minka Fitzpatrick in that trade to to the Steelers after after sending him over there to Pittsburgh. That's the replacement they were looking for, and they got a great one. I mean, he's he's going to be great if if he continues this trajectory. I'm going to love it. But it over the last, it seems like he figured it out over the last six to seven weeks. He's just been like, oh, okay, this is how to do this. Okay, cool. And he's just been rolling with it. So good on Javon Holland. He winds up number eight on our list. Mm-hmm. I love that. Number seven goes to a guy that I know you're going to love, uh, Panay Sewell. Yeah, uh, he comes up number seven on the list. Another one over the last six, seven weeks that has figured it out. He over six weeks, I think he was the top graded offensive lineman out of anybody um, through that six week span. <clears throat> Panay Sewell, what do you make of this kid, Alex? Well, um, I'll tell you that you know t- t- it was surprising when they when they got, when they drafted uh, Panay Sewell because we know we we thought we were going to get another tight end or maybe even another quarterback, but they got. You thought he was going to go to the very next team down the line, but you know, but the Lions got him first. I'm like, okay, they're look, they're looking to uh, create running lanes for their running backs, and they're looking, and they're looking to beef up a, a portion of the offense that hadn't really been seen in in years past. How many times have we seen Matthew Stafford get knocked on his ass? How many times have we seen all these defensive tackles break through the line like it was a strainer? So. Right. To have Penny Sewell, you know, he did have a couple of stupid penalties here and there, you know, uh, during not the not the Broncos game, but the one before, um, you know. But at the, you know, he's learning. He's a rookie, you know. I, I think you know, you give you give him a little more experience, and you give him, you know, you give him more opportunities. You know, he'll continue to do well f- for the de- for the Detroit Lions, you know, and he'll be a very major brick in that rebuild phase. And to your point about about the running lanes, uh, 88.7 run blocking grade. I just want to, like, and, and he, overall he's a 79.1. I mean, but that run blocking grade, I mean, I think that tells the story about mm-hmm. about what he's capable of and the things that he's he's been doing uh, with Detroit. And he had a rough go early on. We we did see him fall off the list, and, and we're like, nah, man, maybe this guy's a bust. Has he been as good as Rashawn Slater and as consistent as Rashawn Slater has been all year? No, but I think Penisola has really kind of figured it out, and he's starting to go. Oh, okay, I've got this. And and really, over the last six weeks, he's been outstanding. So um, you know, good on Penisola getting back on the list, and he's been moving up. I mean, being at number seven after being way off the list and not even on the outside looking in situation—that's a huge jump. And absolutely. And, last several weeks it's been a huge jump so he gets on there number six goes to a guy so he dropped a few spots last week because of his three pass performance in prime time against the buffalo bills but one of the rules that tyler and i have he's coming off the bye and one of one of the rules tyler and i have is that 
we're not going to punish somebody for coming off the bye. Um, number six goes to Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mac Jones, uh, Tyler and I both had him at the same spot. Number six. He's been good this season. He had a he started out kind of eh, first uh, probably four or five weeks, and then blew up from there. He's been playing great game managing football. One thing I want to point out about Mac Jones is he's not throwing three hundred and fifty yards a game, but Mac Jones, goddamn, is just so accurate. He is such an accurate passer. It's amazing his his pass accuracy mm-hmm. is just outrageously good. And I've been really enjoying the the Mac Jones situation that we've been experiencing. Um, I mean, he's he's hovering around that seventy percent completion ratio, right? You know, very very accurate for, for a rookie quarterback. Is he the next Tom Brady? Like, is no. are we talking about this kid? I don't know. He he's got a ways to go before he can be compared to the goat for sure. Uh, he's he's definitely got to get a lot more pass snaps under his belt. That perhaps maybe have a veteran quarterback on the on the sideline coaching him, and of course you know you got Bill, you got Billy Belly, yeah. But uh, are we seeing the next uh, Tom Brady? No. And uh, to be honest, I would hope that we're seeing the first Mac Jones. I don't want if he makes if he carves out a legacy for himself, you know, then we'll see. Okay, this guy truly is a mercurial talent. Yeah. You know, if if he can be compared to Tom Brady, that's one thing. But if he can carve his own legacy. That's what I want to look forward to. I, I like that. I, I like that. That that was probably God, you, the man with the words. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I try. <laughs> but I, I think Mac Jones fits that Bill Belichick system beautifully. Um, a lot of short, uh, uh, short throw, short, quick passes. That's what the the New England way was for a long time with Tom Brady at the helm. That's what it was. And and here we are with with Mac Jones. Those short, fast. Quick passes, I like that a lot. I think that's that is just exactly what they were looking for. Mac Jones fits the mold, and yeah, I, I dig it. I'm 100% on board with it. Um, so Mac Jones winds up at number six. Number five is a guy that Tyler has a lot higher on his list than I do. I had him drop down to nine on my list. Tyler has him sitting at five. Jamar Chase. Yeah. Uh, well, Jamar, well, our combined has it sitting at five. So Tyler's got him probably top three, but Jamar Chase sitting at five. Look, Jamar Chase, I I've had him dropping off heavily, um, on my list because there have been a players that have been better than Jamar Chase and B I think Jamar Chase, uh, he had that, uh, a nasty slump, a five game mm-hmm. slump that was just nothing to be really behold. Right. What what do we keep talking about? Is you know, it, it, it's what have you done for me lately? Yep. Yeah, as 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 bad as that is, as bad as that sounds, the NFL these days is what have you done for me lately? Especially when it comes around time to the playoffs, because yeah, oh, you did all these great things, you know, at the beginning of the season and the middle of the season, but where were you when you when we really needed you? you yeah. Know, I, one thing I want to point out about Jamar Chase. So we when he was in that number one spot, Tyler and I talked and we said, you know, I think he's got about a three game cushion because Creed Humphrey was really biting at his heels. And, and I said, you know, I, I think he's got about a one game or a three game cushion where he can really just stink for a while. Mm. And then and then, you know, once he becomes rock solid, we you know, if he if he comes alive again, OK. But after that three game, that three game slip, he's going to start dropping. Mm-hmm. Well, it became a five game slip. 
So, I mean, and he really started plummeting because guys, certain guys started, we're going to talk about a few of those guys that, that started rising up the list, but some of these guys were, were putting up, I mean, great numbers. And, and, uh, I, I just, I take over T Higgins kind of snuck up behind him. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll point out the, the guys that, that snuck up behind him, um, in a second year, but like, you know, Jamar chase, eh, eh. I, I, I mean, he's fallen down the list considerably is he is he going to be great yeah and, and is are people going to be i honest to god think jamar chase is not in the rookie of the year discussion anymore right i, I think this is mac jones's award it's possible it possibly is i mean given given what he's done with the patriots and given his accuracy and who's coaching him you know it, it's a strong argument yeah, and I think it's it's Mac Jones's award as far as the league is concerned, and and you, it's either going to be Mac Jones or Micah Parsons, but because mm. they're sexy positions, you know. Let yeah. me let me clear because in my opinion, I don't think either of those guys can hold a sl- uh, a candle to the guy that I think should be is going to wind up being our rookie of the year um, for the show. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's it it's all about the sexy positions and and that's right. kind of what it is you know the the wide receiver position is very sexy so you know Jamar Chase would be you know one of those guys you know the quarterback position very sexy so and and the linebacker position very sexy so they they, they want those type of those type of players and they're going to get all the love you know you're not going to give it to an offensive lineman you know right but, but even though the, they're some of the most important players on your team bingo. So, I mean, there's that. I mean, Jamar Chase, I think he's going to, he's in the talk. I think he's in the discussion, but I don't think he's going to wind up winning rookie of the year for the season unless something, you know, outrageous happens in the next three, three to four weeks here. Uh, number four goes to Nate Hobbs. Uh, Nate Hobbs is kind of one of those anomalies, the corner from the Raiders. Look, he's a guy that came in. Uh, as as a reserve guy, he was a nickel corner that they kicked out to the outside. And I've been talking about Nate Hobbs. I I I saw Nate Hobbs come in during one of the Raiders games. I went, "Who's Nate Hobbs?" And I watched him, and this kid's impressive. Uh, just really, he's been tearing it up. Look, listen to these grades across the board. Talk about a consistency. Mm-hmm. Overall, seventy eight point six. His run defense is seventy seven point seven. His pass rush is seventy five point five. And his coverage grade is 76.6. That man is a beacon of consistency for yep, the Raiders. Absolutely. You know, he's you know, this season he's had, you know, 43 solo tackles. You know, he's got he's already got a sack. He's already got a pick. You know. And and mind you, this is a fifth round selection. This is a guy that won went, went 168 over. So yeah. I mean he comes in and he's he's played so well for the Raiders and and you know you gotta like the fact that he's just got so much fight in him, right? Young, and he's only he's only he's only twenty two. Yep, young. He's he's got a, so much time and and as a rookie, I, I just I love it. I I think it's cool that this this kind of no name guy has come out at one point and I don't know what his his rankings now. At one point, he was the number six corner in the entire NFL. And and the number one ranked rookie corner out of everybody. And while everybody was talking about Asante Samuel and all these all these names, hey, cool. Here's Nate Hobbs. <laughs> Hi, sitting, yeah, sitting so, high and pretty up top of all our lists. Exactly. So Nate Hobbs winds up at number four on our list, and he has been climbing consistently for the last several weeks. 
Uh, number three goes to a guy that's been sitting in the number, the top three for a while, Rashawn Slater, the offensive tackle um, from the Chargers, a guy I really, really, really wanted the Vikings to pick up. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, up- but I, I very much remember that draft. Yeah, I, I like Rashawn Slater a lot. He has been outstanding for the Chargers, protecting uh, the blind side of Justin Herbert. He went 13 overall uh, this past draft. Look, 79.9 PFF grades. He He's, I mean, only allowed four sacks. He has only had four penalties. The guy's great. Yeah. He's, he's yep. been rock solid. Um, if, you get, if you only have four penalties the entire season, I mean, that's really something to hang your hat on. Right. Uh, he, and, and that's among the, the top 20% of the, the league, the league's best tackles. So, I mean, he's, he's great. Uh, Rashawn Slater has been a, a breath of fresh air for a Chargers offensive line that needed some Mm -hmm. solidarity and he comes in and and does it, Uh, especially after you had, you had, you know, guys retiring and guys hitting free agency and whatever else Rashawn Slater comes in and solidifies it. And they, they got a really good pick out of him. They, Absolutely, they, he's been the best offensive tackle out of this draft, uh, as far as I'm concerned. As far as offensive tackles go, um, best offensive tackle out of this draft. I think Sewell is kind of nipping at his heels a little bit, but I think Slater ultimately is the better of the two. And uh, the versatility of him, by the way, I mean the guy can oh, play yeah. tackle and guard um, effectively. So I, I mean you got to like that. Number two goes to a guy who was number one on our list fell off the list, and has come back up to number two on our list. He is the most just bipolar player we've had in our rookie rankings. Micah Parsons. Um, yep. Everybody's talking about him as the next LT. Mm. Uh, and I'm that, that's, that's a little iffy to me, and I, I don't know as much about football as you do, and I still think that's kind of iffy. Well, here's, here's why I think it's, it's accurate. So Micah okay. Parsons, the one of the big things about about um, uh, LT was the fact that he was a pass rusher. That was that was his big thing. He was he was a pass rusher. LT would come in and he would hit a quarterback and he would just make him cry. I mean, he was a nasty pass rusher. Well, he already has twelve sacks on the season, so there that's good. That's good for that argument. Twelve sacks on the season. His overall PFF grade is an eighty three point nine. But here's here's why and and. This is why I, I have Mike. I had Micah Parsons as my number two, and he wound up as number two. I, I think Tyler and I are both kind of in the same boat. But Micah Parsons, his run defense is a 59. Eh, okay, kind mm-hmm. of below the road. Pass run, or his coverage grade, 59.5. Eh, okay, below mm-hmm. the road. Eh. Pass rush, 92.7. Pass yeah, <laughs> that, that's his strength. Yeah. And so he's it's sitting, all about that pass rush, Mike. Yeah, it's all about that pass rush. So he's sitting at 83.9 overall, but a majority of it is based on this insane pass rush grade where we're going, what the fuck is this? Well, I, yeah. I looked at it uh, yesterday, and, and you know, I like looking at a lot of the PFF grades. I look at the numbers, um, but the PFF grades kind of tell a lot of the story. You know, I understand they don't tell the whole story, but sometimes in like a situation like this and you take a look at that pff grade and you go oh okay this kid is getting looked at for defensive not just defensive rookie of the year he's getting looked at as defensive player of the year oh that's That's what he's being considered right now yeah and no rookie has ever won defensive player of the year 
So I, I think that's worth mentioning here. Very telling. Yeah, I, and and he's just been such a great pickup for, for the Cowboys. Um, you knew he was going to be a good pickup for whatever team he went to. Micah Parsons winds up as number two on our list. Um, and and that goes should go to tell you, number one, the man still sits on top of the mountain. We've had him there week over week over week over week over week. Creed Humphrey, Humphrey. center. The center from, from the Kansas City Chiefs. This guy is the best center in football. I, 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 I believe that. I, I don't think anybody can, can hold a candle to him. He is the best center in football. Am I wrong here? Nope. I, I mean, I don't think you are. I mean, granted, you know, like, okay, let's just take a look at some of his statistics. I mean, you know, let's take a look. 90.4 overall grade. He's got a 92.5 run blocking grade, a 76 pass blocking grade. I mean, he's only allowed one sack all season long. Right. Nine hundred among among qualified centers, nine hundred nine nine hundred seventy-nine snaps. I, mm-hmm. I he, that ranks first in the league. He is the best center in football right now. Um he, he's a round two selection. He went sixty-third overall. You know, yep. I wasn't completely sold on Creed Humphrey when his draft came out. When, when I was like, I'm not so sure about this guy. This guy yep. has been outstanding, incredible. I mean, yep. wow, wow! And he sits on top. He sits at number one. And it's 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 insane that the center is is garnering this much attention. And just just like going back to your point about the sexy positions, mm-hmm. you know, if if Creed Humphrey ends up winning a rookie of the year or is or is talked about as rookie of the year, you know, it'll it'll be very telling to see you know, how well. You know the the center is uh, yeah. Uh, this center, this great center is uh, positioned against some of the other, you know, like the linebackers and the quarterbacks and the cornerbacks and all that stuff. Yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of players out there that are going to basically overshadow him, and they should they shouldn't overshadow him because he's been just I mean a beacon of stability for the Kansas City Chiefs. Really? I, I think I think that's going to be a T-shirt, a beacon of stability. Beacon of stability. I mean, that's what he is. I mean, look at that ninety point four overall grade. I mean, that's that should tell you something. Mm-hmm. Creed Humphrey right now. Creed Humphrey is leading the rookie rankings, and and frankly, I mean, unless something miraculous happens where he has some sort of incredible meltdown, or a guy like Jamar Chase comes out and and balls out for the next three weeks for two hundred yards a game, or Something insane. Mm-hmm. This guy is basically, I mean, to me, I think he's going to win the whole thing. That's my yep. alert. Makes I think- sense. I mean, he's, he's been number one on your list for for so long. Yeah. You know, it's almost it's almost like, okay, just hand him the award right now, but we still got four games, six games to play. Yeah, we, we got. And we got the playoffs. We got a while to go. So we'll see how he turns out. But Creed Humphrey sitting at number one on our combined rookie rankings. And uh, those are our rookie rankings for for, uh, this week. Now, uh, Alex, we're going to take a quick break here. And then um, we're going to jump into our uh, news around the league. We're going to jump into our uh, weekly predictions. We're going to talk a little bit about the Jags. We're going to talk about the COVID protocols, games getting moved, all kinds of stuff. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to grab a beer. And we'll be right back right here on the Outside Blitz. At It's Your Time Massage, you get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting. 
With four years' experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue, pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's or yours. With the rates ranging from $55 to $130, you get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's Your Time Massage, a natural way to improve your well-being. Ladies and gentlemen of the Outside Blitz, uh, I'm your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown. Joining me once again, the wonderful Alex Steele, the cannonball, baby. Yep, uh, boom goes the cannonball. I'm filling in for uh, um, 3T Tyler Dean this week. 3T. Uh, yep, tit- tenacious, titillating Tyler Dean. <laughs> I like like start, so I start using that from now on. Yeah, 3T, baby. So, uh, <laughs> well... Alex, we got some news around the league. Um, oh, boy, do we ever. Buddy, we got some elephants in the room. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the first thing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the lesser one first. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and talk about the NFL. They went and postponed three games um, to the, for the upcoming week due to the enhanced COVID protocols of several teams. Um, mm-hmm. The games that have been moved have been the Washington and the Washington football team and the Philadelphia Eagles. They've been moved from Sunday to Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Seattle Seahawks and the LA Rams have been moved from Sunday to Tuesday. And then the Las Vegas Raiders and the Cleveland Browns have been moved from Saturday to Monday. Uh, they yeah. were play today at four o'clock. They are no longer going to play at four o'clock. Therefore, we only have one game going on for the four o'clock games or for the uh, Sunday, Saturday games rather, which mm-hmm. will be Patriots and Colts tonight. Um, so one thing I want to point out leading into this whole thing, uh, the NFL made their point very clear moving into the season. They, they sent out memos uh, repeatedly saying, Hey, you know, if your team is, if you have a sick players or anything of the sort, um, you know, tough shit. We're, we're not we're not rescheduling games. We're not going to be moving games for, for COVID. We did it last year. We're not doing it again. If your team catches COVID, tough shit. Get your people vaccinated, whatever else. Uh, they made that point very clear. And and the NFL said, and the NFLPA said, okay, we understand. And, and that was kind of that. And I thought that was the best course of action for the NFL. Because at a certain point, illness, you know, okay, illnesses are there. Whether we live in a, a COVID world, a post-COVID world, it's there. Just like the flu is there, just like anything else. And I understand COVID is a new pandemic. I get it. But it's there. And you're, we live in that world. Here's my problem. Yep. So with the moving of these games, the NFL sent that. The, it goes completely against their memo, first of all. Right. But we'll start there. Um, Roger Goodell has since come out and said that the Omicron variant has created a need for a quote-unquote flexible response to the upcoming mm-hmm. game. I sort of understand that, but here's my problem. You sent out a memo saying that you're not moving games because of illness. Yeah. 
And then, whoops, sorry, let's dial that back. We're moving three of them. Yep. And But here's my biggest issue with yep. this thing. The Cleveland Browns game gets moved from Saturday to Monday. I think they have somewhere in the vicinity of about 19 players that, that are out with COVID right now. Um, Case Keenum and Baker Mayfield being two of them, two of their starting quarterbacks. They're missing, you know, uh, a couple of uh, key offensive linemen. They're missing a couple of key defenders. I mean, there's there's yeah. issues it's, there. And, and then they're missing more people due to injury. Right. So, it's, so it's, it's it's a mess. It is. It is a mess. And and they said if a team can't can't in the memo earlier this year, they said the NFL said if the team can't field a team. Then they forfeit the game. That's that's what it is. They forfeit the game. Tough. It sucks. It sucks for the fans. I get it. But they forfeit the game. Sorry. Right. Um, well, here we are with these games getting moved. And several players are outraged at the NFLPA for negotiating move these games after the NFLPA in the league said they won't be moving games this season uh, due to players getting sick with COVID-19. And here's my problem, though. Yep. So the president of the NFLPA is J.C. Treader. J.C. Treader plays for the Cleveland Browns. One of the mm-hmm. games that got moved this weekend was the Raiders and the Browns moved from Saturday to Monday because the Cleveland Browns have players that aren't able to take the field, that you know they aren't going to have a starting quarterback and all this other stuff. I mean, the Browns are over here you know, signing quarterbacks and trying to you know, put it all together. Right. So it, it's like... It, 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 it screams conflict of interest. Yep. We were talking about this off the air. It screams conflict of interest. So at first I was going to, I was going to take this Avenue. Okay. There was an article I read, I read about, you know, why they should move and to say, well, on paper, you know, you get this, you get these third stringers and all these other people, the games just, you know, forget about the fact that it's not going to be competitive. It's just going to suck to watch. You know, so how's that? What's that going to do with the ratings? You know, like what's what's the what's the job of the NFL? Get fans to put meat in the seats. Right. So I, from from that perspective, you're sitting there. Okay, you know, if if you're looking at it from a marketing perspective, if you're looking at it from you know a ticket sales perspective, a fan attendance perspective, and a a watchability perspective on TV, driving up advertising rates. Sure, you could make that argument. But the thing that splinters the argument just a little bit is what you just talked about. The pers- the president of the NFLPA being a an active roster member on an NFL team. And I don't even care I don't even care that he's an active roster member on an NFL team because they do need representation. I mean and and okay. You know, a little peek behind the curtain. I'm a part of a union. So so I, I have a union steward who is a part of the workforce. I mean, it's a very common thing. My problem comes in where this is a competitive sport. You got a guy that that is a and if he's going to be an active roster member, so be it. But at least have another avenue, somebody that is going to handle issues that come with his team, because right. now he's making these these. Uh, um, these pushes, these moves. Yeah, he's making these concessions for his own football team. And according to what people have reported at this point in time, it's the NFLPA that was actually pushing to move these games, which tells me that the NFLPA president, J.C. Treader, who is a current roster member of the Cleveland Browns, is going, oh, well, 
I can't field a team. My team can't field a team, so you should move it. Wink, nudge, nudge, nudge. And right. Rocky Bell is just catering to him. Right. Know? So, so how, so how much of this is on the commissioner's hands too? Yeah, it's it, if it, he's if he's the guy that sent out the memo. Yeah, it sounds like an inside job here. You know, where where they're they're really, you know, and and last year we got to see the Raiders forced to play with a, a game last year with a makeshift offensive line because they didn't have enough offensive linemen. So they had all these practice squad guys come in and they're, they're scrambling to get an offensive line on the field. I got to watch the Broncos last year play a yeah. game with a practice squad wide receiver at quarterback. But just because it's the NFL PA's team, PA president's team, oh, oh we, we got to move the game. Right, and and of course, more than one game got moved, but still, it's like, come on, what what are we doing here? Right, and and it you you can tell this was a situation, and I get it. There's enhanced COVID protocols. I understand that, but this screams conflict of interest. It really does. The NFLPA needs to find and and KJ Wright of the Raiders. He he's one of their linebackers. He's a former Seattle Seahawks linebacker. He was outraged, and rightfully so. I don't have. He has every right. I, mm-hmm. I don't have anything against him being that bothered and that upset about what the hell was happening. Oh, uh, sure. You know, he had he had every right in that situation. So I look at this and I'm like, mm, eh, I, yeah. what, Jake, what's going on here? I mean, it, yeah, yeah. You know what? What's it going to do for the? You know, if if we have a more competitive game on Tuesday, great. If we have a more, if we have a more, you know. If people are going to tune in, well, who's going to tune in on Tuesday night? First right. of all, I mean, right. you know, who, don't get me wrong. if I if I was if if I could, I would. I mean, I I would I would watch football every day of the week if I could. Right, of course, you're going to have the super fans, but the, so I I understand. You know, there's two there's two ways to look at it. Again, you know, yes, this is a huge conflict of interest issue because again, it's it's a it's it's the it's a president of the union basically looking at his own team's interests and going, Hey, we have to get this Browns game moved. We have to get it moved. You know why? Cause like half your players are on the COVID list. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> when other teams before you have been forced to, as you said, forced to in practice squads, you know, and if the, you know, and, and you know, the article that I read this morning stated that, you know, okay, the NFL is to blame for what's happened because they haven't, you know, they haven't, uh, you know, well, how, on the one hand, how could they possibly predict the Omicron variant being what being a thing? Number one, how could any of us expect that? Yeah. But number two, you know, if you're going to have like, yeah, okay. You're going to have games that suck on paper. All right. You know, and, 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 you know, and the advertisers might be, you know, hesitant to, to, to loan time and money to a game that nobody's going to watch. Oh, you know, all the, Oh, Dave Baker Mayfield's out and case Keenum's out. You know, why the heck am I, it's going to be a snooze fest. That's, that's a part of business. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's a part of, of doing business. You, you, there's a risk reward uh, inherited there. So yeah. I like, I guess to me, I just look at it and I say, look, this is a competitive sport. Yeah. And, and as a competitive sport and it like, and I'm, it, as a union member, as a, as a guy, as a part of the NFLPA, it's a union. These guys are paying union dues for representation. And, and there are a lot of teams out there. There are, are 28 other teams. Like, and, and the Raiders have a very valid point. The, the, the Raiders are going, hey, wait a minute. No, so what you're yep. telling me now because of what happened last year and now how this is being handled, if this was us, 
We would right. be on that fucking field playing with makeshift fucking people, you know, and all these practice squad guys. And now you guys are, are you know, just kind of giving the brownies a pass here. Eh, it doesn't seem yeah. right. And right I'm, exactly. I'm with them 110%. I don't think it's fair. And I think, you know, the, the NFLPA basically has a mutiny on their hands because, mm-hmm. you know, the people, people feel like they're not being properly represented. And that is where, you know, I completely am with, um, you know, these players like KJ Wright and, and all the Raiders players. And then even, even the ownership, you, even, uh, you know, the, the ownership over there with the Raiders is like, Hey, wait a minute. This yeah. isn't right. That, that um, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It, I'm, it, I'm with, I'm with you that it doesn't make sense to have, you know, you know, to have these games move because, you know, especially when, when you give the argument that the Raiders and the Broncos had to play with, with depleted rosters last year. They you know, if if they if they were able to do it last year, why couldn't they do it this year? Exactly. And if they can't, they got to forfeit. That was the rule. That was the ruling of the league, and that was a ruling of the NFLPA. Mm-hmm. So the fact that that a forfeit, either a a forfeit or b the Browns aren't being forced to play with with a depleted roster, that's a problem. Yeah, this, I mean, maybe and maybe it was a problem that you know the the uh, commissioner's office, it, Roger Goodell and and the PA didn't didn't anticipate perhaps in their defense, but yeah. at the same time, it could have been prevented. Yeah, yeah, you can't. I mean, I don't think anybody can anticipate what's going to go on with COVID. Shit, I can't yeah. anticipate. No, you, nobody the, can. Hell, the the World Health Organization can't you know predict <laughs> what's going to go on with COVID, but. You know, I mean, because it, it's obviously going to mutate, mutate, mutate. But at the end of the day, what needs to happen is the NFLPA needs to hold up to their word. Yeah, and and, keep, and stick with the rules. Yeah, and and you can't you can't just make make up a rule and then say, oh well, there's a different variant. And we got to no 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 no. It's still COVID. It's still COVID nineteen. You sent the memo out. You said. That, that we're not for illness. We're going to either forfeit the game or that's going to be that. If it's, if it's about advertisers, well, tough shit. You're going to have to take the bath on it. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, the NFL has to do what's right as far as making, as far Hold, as the comp- holding, holding the teams accountable. To- yeah. And, and how is this the Raiders fault? Like, I feel like the Raiders are punished for this whole thing. You know, like, like Cleveland get, gets all these guys that have COVID the Browns do, and then the Raiders have to suffer the consequences and get their game pushed back four days. You know, right. or it days. Thro- throws off their schedule, throws off yeah. their practice. Who knows? Yeah. It, it may it may give Cleveland an unfair advantage. You know. Yeah, it's it. That's not a fair thing to do. So I I take issue with this. I I'm not a fan. I think J C Treader right now. I think there needs to be, if if I were those players. I would be finding out how to how to create a vote of no confidence like that. That would be it. Like he'd be out because obvious is like you like we've been talking about clear and obvious conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. So there's that the the games have been moved. If you're looking to watch those games, you're going to have to watch them on Monday and Tuesday night because they've been kicked off. They, they kicked right. back. We've got the one game tonight, which I am excited about. Yep. But then we got the other elephant in the Oh boy, I've been, I've been waiting all morning for this uh, one. You have been salivating since <laughs> I, I asked you to come on the show earlier mm. this week, and I know you have been excited because we both, you know, we're, we're yeah, <laughs> he's gonna get a little little booze in his system and get himself rocking. But 
Well, well, certainly, certainly, our our uh, our next uh, topic of interest certainly has. <laughs> oh God! So we're going to talk about this a little bit. The Jacksonville Jaguars this week uh, they fire Urban Meyer. Uh, I, I know this is kind of, I guess, technically a couple days old. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to talk about it. Urban yeah. Meyer gets fired this week. Look. Uh, <laughs> There's been a lot of takes on Urban Meyer. I'm just going to kind of go through a little bit of a timeline here, if, if you will, Alex, so we can kind of go. Yep, go ahead and lead. So Urban Meyer gets hired in the offseason, and uh, he was kind of the big fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest with you, when he, when he got hired, a lot of us, I mean, even here on this show, we were talking about, you know, Urban Meyer, wow, you know, this could be something special for the Jags. We don't know. He could be something mm-hmm. good. We, we talked about him, about him being the big fish. Is is yeah. what what he was basically kind of looking. They at. hooked they hooked the Marlin. Yeah, he was the big hire, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, Urban Meyer, I mean, a lot of success at Ohio State. Good on him. A lot uh, of success at Florida, you know. Good on him. A lot of success at Bowling Green. I mean, like he he did a lot of good stuff. So I look at at Urban Meyer. I looked at the situation. I said, okay, wow, this guy's going to get hired. And and one thing that kind of stood out to me leading into this situation is he was talking uh, and at, when he got hired, they had the press mm-hmm. conference. And he was saying all oh, things like, oh, you know, you look at that logo and, and you know, I want to I want to tell you, you're, you're, you're Jacksonville Jaguars. I want people to have pride in that logo. And, and you know, I want you to own it. I want you to mm-hmm. own it. That was his exact words. I want you to I want own, you own it. it. <laughs> own it. Okay. If, only, if only we knew. Start with that. I'm going to preface with that. Yep. So we get to about week five of the season. The Jags aren't doing very well. Week four or five, it was somewhere in there. Uh, The bye week comes. The Jags go home. Urban Meyer stays behind in Ohio after a loss in in Ohio there. He stays Mm -hmm. up behind in Ohio. He goes to one of the bars on the Ohio State campus. And he's got um, some pretty little blonde girl grinding on him in the bar. Yep. Not his wife. Okay. (laughs) That, That was the first red flag. That was well. Well, really, the first red flag was hiring the strength and conditioning coach in the off season that got in trouble for having racial remarks and and got fired for for making racial remarks and treating uh, uh you know uh I guess minority players differently um mm-hmm. throughout the entire program. So there was that first. You know, he that guy shows up, he resigns because everybody obviously the internet was like, no, fuck no. you. <laughs> so there's that he he goes and he does the whole grinding on, on his you know right having the girl grind on him thing and then and that video emerges on the bye week that was a big issue mm-hmm. and around that point tyler and i both started saying things like yeah he's got about a season Right. He's he's not, he's not gonna, he's not gonna last. He's not, he's only got this season and then he's gone. Cause you, you, as an NFL head coach, you do something like that. And it's like, it's not very well accepted. You know, you're, you're a professional being paid an absurd amount of money and, and something you're married. Okay. Hello. I mean, to, to his credit, I, I, you know, there's, there's right. people out there that are into a lot of different lifestyles and, and, you know, I mean, him and his wife, for all they know, all we know, they could be, you know, swingers or whatever else. I mean, that could be just a normal thing in his life 
that they yeah. do. And he just happened to get caught on video doing it. And because his wife just seemed so cavalier about the whole thing. She was just like, mm-hmm. you know, people make mistakes, whatever. You know, okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's like, well, you could tell she didn't fucking care. So, you know, here we are. I mean, if for for all we know, I mean, I, I mean, good on him if that's their lifestyle and that's what they want to do. Hey, good for them. I'm, I'm cool. Whatever. Have fun. I'm like, right. you, you do you, boo boo. But <laughs> at the same time, you know, that goes on. You should have been traveling with the team anyway after a hard loss. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really want to point that out. After a hard yeah. loss like that, you should have been traveling with your boys. Okay. Yeah. And and then I, I think the word that we're going to keep throwing around during this whole thing is leadership. Leadership. Yep. Or lack thereof in this case. Mm. But but another thing that goes on. So he goes out onto a press conference um, after this situation and he starts talking about uh, Trevor Lawrence. And he goes, well, Trevor Lawrence went out on his bachelor party and, and nobody seemed to say anything. <coughs> you know, who cares? Who cares? And why are you throwing your rookie star quarterback, your number one overall pick quarterback under the bus? And trying, to, trying to use him as a human shield in this whole situation. It's almost like Nick Saban throwing his team his team under the bus for losing the national championship. And then, and then you know, to Trevor Lawrence's credit, Trevor Lawrence comes out in a press conference and stands in front of all these these people and goes, you know, uh, he made a mistake, and he defends his coach. He defends, yep. you know, and that now that we're talking about leadership, that's leadership. Yep. Mm-hmm. That leadership. I was like, oh shit! Look at Trevor Lawrence go. He's not a troublemaker. Trouble. Trevor Lawrence is one of the most quiet, chill dudes ever. And he comes yeah. and, says, and defend and defends this this coach wh- who turns out to, uh, well, you know, yeah, he, we'll, he, we'll find out. Be cheating on his wife or getting grinded on and whatever else. So then, then we we go down the line and and the Jags keep losing games. <coughs> this is a problem obviously the jags they continue to lose and lose and lose and lose and lose people are saying oh urban meyer's not the real deal this is a problem yada yada we okay so urban meyer um at at a certain point first of all i want to talk about the james robinson situation i've been bitching about for this for weeks yeah yeah i've i've i heard that when when i was on two weeks ago you were talking to me about it a, a lot right and so james robinson urban meyer has been basically benching james robinson like basically i mean like james robinson has been getting like 12 13 carries a game when the jaguars run james robinson consistently consistently and we're talking like 20 plus carries a game they actually do a lot better than these football they do yeah i mean it's and when they give james robinson the football that's a big deal Mm -hmm. james robinson has been getting benched he he had a fumble issue and Mm -hmm. fumbled like uh, early on in a game uh, a couple weeks back, and and Urban Meyer benched him and put Carlos Hyde in the game. <clears throat> now, mm. the the thing about that, and and the the the, I guess the importance of that. Carlos Hyde used to play for him at Ohio State. Yeah. So, so again, conflict of interest. Yeah, a conflict of interest for a favoritism thing. Favoritism. Oh, this is my guy. I'm going to make sure I put my Ohio State guy in. Carlos Hyde, for the record, you know, he hasn't been good in a while. Mm-hmm. Carlos Hyde, I mean, he's okay. He, he's not that good, though. I mean, we're not talking about Carlos Hyde as a, a 1,200-yard rusher here. Right. You know, talking about Carlos Hyde as a very injury-prone running back 
and Urban Meyer wants to consistently put him in the game because oh, the, I, he, I, we 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 won a national championship together. Yeah. Whoopee! And let's look at James Robinson, who was a top five rusher last year, top five running back, yep. and we're going to sit him on the bench. What? What? <laughs> Make makes no sense. Well, here comes leadership, Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And and Trevor Lawrence went to Urban Meyer and said, James Robinson needs to be on the field. I don't understand why you have him off the field, but this guy needs to be on the field. He's the best player we have. And and the fact that you're been again, leadership Trevor <laughs> Lawrence. Yep. Really, this guy is a true leader on this football. I like I'm rooting for Trevor Lawrence like yep. so hard right now because this Absolutely. guy is a leader. And and I'm like, man. He's he's just handling everything so well. So he goes to Urban Meyer and 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 Urban Meyer, you know, says okay. And then he goes. And Trevor Lawrence was flat out. He went into a press conference and said, "Oh well, you know, I did talk to Coach about how Josh Robin or James Robinson needs to be on the field. This is a problem, and, and he's the best player we got, and we need to have him on the field and whatever else." And then the next game, mm-hmm. James Robinson gets six carries. So, <laughs> so gets six carries. So so clearly. You know, uh, Urban Meyer does not give a rat's ass what anybody has to say. Right. And um, last week we were I was talking about it. Urban Meyer apparently called his assistant coaches and uh, his entire staff into a room (laughs) and called them all losers. Yep. And invited each of them to defend their resumes. Uh, the- yeah, that that was that was a huge red flag. I'm sitting there going, "Wow, that that's that's instilling a lot of confidence in your staff, there, buddy." Yeah, these are guys he hired. Oh, you're all losers. I'm a winner. Defend your resume. Really? <laughs> Has that ever happened in NFL history? Yeah, I, I I was fascinated by that situation. And then the uh, the next thing that comes out is, you know, he he apparently a. a Kicker Josh Lambeau was yeah. on the field stretching. Um, Urban Meyer comes up and and kicks him and says, uh, "Hey, dipshit, make your fucking kicks." And kicked him like I guess he kicked him in the the same quad that kept Josh Lambeau out for like twelve games last year. <laughs> and Josh Lambeau said, "Hey, don't fucking kick me again. Like, don't do it." And Urban Meyer said, "I'm the head fucking football coach. I'll do what I want." I'll kick you when I want. So that was a problem. Yeah, big problem. And yeah, then, and, and and props to uh, kicker for uh, standing up for himself because I think this is a This is probably what caused this. This was the beginning of the end for yeah. Urban Meyer right here. Shad Khan goes out and he has since fired Urban Meyer. But um, he was bitterly disappointed that it came to this. Yeah, and and one thing that that I, I want to point out. So there's a few things. <laughs> this firing and urban Meyer left the practice facility. He did not say anything to his coordinators when he left. Um, so he left, just left them to prepare for this week's game on their own. Nothing said absolutely nothing. Just left uh, and didn't come back. So I think that says a little bit about urban Meyer's professionalism or lack thereof. Absolutely. Uh, as far as as uh, this whole situation, I think it's telling that Trevor Lawrence, as a rookie quarterback, he should never be put in that position. Never, you yeah. should never see your rookie quarterback 
put in that position, and I get it. He's a leader on this football team, and that's that's fine. He should never be put in a situation like that where he's got to go in a press conference, and and he's like, Trevor Lawrence is just like a dude. He's just like, yeah. I, I don't want to fucking do all this. I don't want to be, be you know, <clears throat> drama and causing trouble in the locker room. I don't want to be doing all that. And and here we are, Trevor Lawrence, you know, have to do all this stuff. The guy barely talks anyway. He doesn't like to be that focal point. You know, people right. he wants to be known for his good play and his pretty hair. That's about it. That's it. And then he's standing up for his head coach that, you know, That's trying to be a professional. That tried to throw him under the bus, really. Oh, well, he went for his bachelor party, and he still stood there and tried to stand up for the guy. Yeah, that 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 speaks that speaks volumes about Trevor Lawrence and speaks volumes about Urban Meyer. Yeah, one one's a saint and the other's a sinner. Right, and and but the thing that that gets me about the Urban Meyer situation is not just the fact that that and and for the record, the Jaguars they are are. Um, not only are they letting him go, but they're going to do it under what is considered good reason. So they're going to try and not pay him for the rest of his contract. Yep. I saw that. I saw that earlier this morning, and that's that. That is the step to go. Don't yep. pay this man for doing a crap job. Yep. And a lot of times, the, the what what will happen in these situations is is they'll settle out and and <clears throat> they'll settle out for whatever money is due, or you know, oh, okay, we'll give you X amount of dollars, and we'll call. No, they should stick to their guns and just say, screw you, dude. You, you, you were a bad apple. You were a bad seed. This is all you're getting. Get out. But this is the question of the day. What kind of, is this indicative of the culture that went on at Ohio state? More, I would probably say, I mean, if, 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 if this was any indication that this is how Urban Meyer ran the Jacksonville Jaguars. Imagine what it was like at Ohio State. Right. And that's that becomes my question of the day. Like yeah. really, how did how did you run the Ohio State program? <clears throat> well, probably like a dictator. And, you know, I, I think I heard someone say, you know, that Urban Meyer craves power. You know, he craves power over people. Right. And and the reason that it worked out for him in college is that he has the ability to have power over 19, 20, 21, 19 to 22 year old kids, you know, who aren't, who may not have the courage to stand up to somebody like an urban Meyer is, Hey, he's, he's a head football coach. He can, he can dash my NFL hopes and dreams, you know, with the swipe of his hand, or that's what he wants people to think. But you get it, you get in the big boy situation where you get like a kicker that's been in the league for X amount of years going, Hey, screw this! I could, I'm standing up for myself. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna submit to this guy's wares. I'm not gonna be a, a pushover. You know, screw this. I mean, I'm I'm a human being. I have rights, and you know. So then you got to look back. Okay, how did he treat his players at Ohio State? Yeah, Was right. he like this in Florida? You know, yeah. you know, the, the, his entire coaching career comes into question. You know, we were talking about. Oh, he's just a college level coach. I think he's. I think it's worse than that. Now you've shot yourself in the foot so so badly. Are you ever going to see, you know, a head coaching job again unless somebody's gullible enough to hire you? I think I think the only way that Urban Meyer gets hired again is at a college level. I don't think he'll ever, ever coach in the NFL ever again. Nope. If he does, doesn't have the proficiency. Oh yeah. If they if he does, there's gonna be a mutiny. You're gonna see players that are gonna be furious. 
the other thing is, is that I think Urban Meyer, um, if he does go to a, a college ball, I think it'll be a smaller college. But I don't even think he goes there. I think his coaching career is probably over. I mean, this, this, I mean, really, it was really telling about, <laughs> I mean, the way he, he handles his business. Well, I, I think you left out the best part of this whole thing. And I think it sums it up in one beautiful video clip. I don't know how much we can talk about it because I know you're kind of iffy about <clears throat> some substances, but uh, you posted this video, you posted this oh, video on Twitter. Yeah. So there was the a video. Boat, the boathouse video where, there, first of all, if you're ever going to do a press conference from your boat, don't do it in front of a mirror where, where, the camera can catch the reflection of a shirtless guy waddling into the room with what looks to be an apparatus. And oh, we'll leave that. Let's be real. That was a bong. Okay. Like, it was okay. It looks like a bong. If we could, if we could use that terminology on the show, what yeah. looked to be a bong. And the funniest part of that whole video is the guy like waddles in front of urban urban has got kind of like this half opened, half closed look on his face. Probably sounded like he took a couple rips earlier in the day, if I can say that. Oh, and yes. then the guy is, then the dude in the mirror is literally standing in front of Urban and live in front of the world. He's like, no, 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 no. Shoes him off. You can see the change in his face. Yeah. The, the guy was clearly offering him the bomb. Yeah, like how how do you not realize that this is head coach Urban Meyer doing a spot for ESPN? You must he must have been. Oh yeah. How how does that happen? (laughs) How do you, as an NFL head coach, even if you've been sticking the icky, you know, how do you allow that to happen? (laughs) How? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) That is if if there is if if there is a noise uh, that could encompass this entire run for the Jacksonville Jaguars and Urban Meyer, it would be that it would be the Price is Right losing horn. Yeah, because it's like (laughs) it's just it's it's just absolute insanity. Yeah. From the whole, from the grinding on the girl in the bar, he goes, "Oh well, that was really stupid." You know, I apologize, but Trevor Lawrence, you know, went out for his bachelor party. Why is nobody talking shit about him? Well, Trevor Lawrence is a uh, a he's not getting caught on video doing stupid shit, and yeah. B, you know, he's 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 a leader, unlike yourself. Yeah. And, so and that's it was his fucking bachelor party, bro. It's yeah. not like he was just going out on a weekend to go and bang some random blonde skank out in Ohio. <laughs> Was, right, where where you know you get you get you get more rats than uh, you get more rats than princesses anyway. If I could use that <laughs> reference, <laughs> I was just my mind has been blown by this whole situation and Urban Meyer. So he's fired. Yeah, um, Daryl Bevel getting ready to take over as the interim head coach. You know a thing or two about Daryl Bevel. He's a former offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. Former mm-hmm. offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions took over last year as the Lions interim head coach after Matt yes. was fired. Um, and really he did a good job for the Lions in that. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to make a bold prediction here. Okay. James Robinson's about to get 25 to 30 carries this upcoming week. Yeah. And I believe that. And I think the, the Jags are going to come out hot this week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Daryl Bevel is going to take over and, and, you know, he could be in the running. We'll 
we will say because he is being looked at as the interim head coach, he could mm-hmm. be in the running to be the head coach for this football team. So we know that. I, I mean, I, I'm sure they're probably looking to interview him, especially mm-hmm. if they do well. This is kind of like a job interview for him, don't you think? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, hey, let's t- take the ball and run with it. And if you can run with it, you're hired. Right. So, Alex, I, I, I have one last question in this whole thing. Yeah. So, Jacksonville Jaguars, head coaching situation. Um, we need to know, uh, and I, I have two predictions. I told you to grab two. Yep. Two guys that you believe could be the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach moving into next season. Uh, Alex, who do you got? Okay, and we may be crossing streams with at least one of my picks here. Uh-huh. But, the two, but the two picks that I have... I have Josh McDaniels from the New England Patriots, first of all. And the reason I picked Josh McDaniels is he has experience as a head coach previously with the Denver Broncos. He's relatively young, and, you know, he has that edge of being on the, you know, a a member of the New England Patriots. Now, granted, so was Matt Patricia, so is – the coach over at uh, the Giants, you know, Matt Patricia with a Peloton, you know, so, you know, you kind of have, but, you know, Josh McDaniels might be, you know, third time's the charm, you know, so he might be a good candidate, you know, a lead candidate for that job, you know, because, but, you know, and my other pick is Doug Peterson from the Philadelphia Eagles. He's a, he is a Super Bowl champion. He won the championship without Carson Wentz. All right, he took he basically took Nick Foles <clears throat> and helped him in that squad beat the new, beat the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. Right. So, um I don't know if he came up with the Philly special or not, but he does he does have a very offense-oriented mindset. So, you know, maybe Doug Peterson might be uh, the guy that, you know, he's one of the five coaches that I've seen in an article that were mainly talked and discussed about about uh, this job. Yeah, Doug Peterson wants to make his way back into the NFL. I think those are both very viable picks. Realistically, to be honest with you, of of all the the picks that we're going to wind up talking about here, Doug Peterson may very well be the most um, uh, viable one of of the group. <clears throat> but I I found two that I thought were really interesting and are being currently talked about as head coaching candidates. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one and the less surprising one is Byron Leftwich, the mm-hmm. offensive from the Tampa Bay Bucks, Leftwich has been outstanding. Uh, former yeah. quarterback in the NFL, former player, you know, Bruce Arians has been pushing hard for, mm. for Byron Leftwich, and I like Byron Leftwich. I think he is just a great offensive coordinator. I think, the, like, that guy, and understanding, you know, Tom Brady is there, you know, so it's kind of a different animal. It's like, hey, right. you know, Tom, it's course. Tom Brady, you know, showed up <clears throat> But that you know that might give him an edge because you know hey I helped coach the great Tom Brady I yeah. can take this Trevor Lawrence kid and shoot him to the moon and it's a learning experience you know mm-hmm. being with Tom Brady and hanging around him like like what you think Tom Brady's not like like Peyton Manning used to be you know like Tom Brady's walking in and he's just like yeah I don't like that play let's scrap that shit like, right <laughs> you know that's how it's going so so. <clears throat> You know, I think Byron Leftwich is going to be a great fit there if he does wind up there. Um, but the other one, my number, my second one, and this is the one I'm so excited about. And mm-hmm. and I I think this one is going to catch you by surprise a little bit. And I'm excited to talk about him. Jim Caldwell. Oh, wow. That is a name. Yep. You, you were right. You've been you've been hyping this all morning. I have. You know, 
when you t- when you when that name came out of your mouth just now, I'm like, yep, it makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. Jim Caldwell is a guy. He's he is a, the type of dude that that meshes well with quarterbacks, and he groups mm-hmm. quarterbacks well. He's an offensive minded coach, um, and and he did really. He should have never. Let's let me just yep. make this very clear. He should yep. have never been let go from the Detroit Lions. Nope, he yep. shouldn't have. Because he led the Lions to two winning seasons. They went to the playoffs twice. Yep, they went to the playoffs twice. And really, and then and then he had two, what, nine and seven seasons? Yeah, but I mean, like, come on. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't understand. Like, you, the, he's consecutively leading the Lions to these winning seasons, and they let him walk because what? they didn't. Like, I understand you're looking for greatness. I understand you're looking for Super Bowls. Right, thanks but, a lot, Martha. Thanks a that, lot. Yeah, right. That's the kind of guy that you want on your football team. That's the kind of coach that you want to lead your football team to a winning season, season. all the and, time because and, eventually he's going to go over the top. Yep. <clears throat> eventually he's going to take the top off the whole thing and go, hey, Super Bowl. And, yeah. and it, I feel like the Lions completely 110% missed the bus on that guy. Oh, for sure. I, Jim Caldwell, I love Jim Caldwell. I think he's such a good coach. And uh, I, I mean, he's the he's the complete antithesis of Urban Meyer, number one. Yeah, and, as, and as we've learned all this week, you know, he'll he'll bring a positive culture to the team. He's the guy that came up with one team, one Detroit, one Pride. Yep. So you know, he might do something similar for Jacksonville, but you know, but to just improve the overall culture and just think, hey, I'm here to support this, you know. You know, no man is more important than the team, and no coach is more important than the team. I know I'm channeling Bo here, but that's the kind of that's the kind of culture. If Jim Caldwell does get hired there, will probably bring to the table. Yeah, and I I'm with you on that. I think Jim Cal- and he wants to come back to the pros. Anywhere Jim Caldwell goes, mm. I'm totally there for it. Unless it's in the a- the AFC or the NFC North, um, right. anywhere other than the Vikings. But you know, <laughs> right. if the Vikings were to hire Jim Caldwell tomorrow, I would be losing my mind. I love Jim yep. Caldwell. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, you've been you've been clamoring to have Mike Zimmer fired for for weeks oh, you yeah. know, since the season oh, began. <laughs> so to kind of have that swapped out, you'd probably you'd probably be ecstatic. I'd be thrilled. So Jim Caldwell is is my second pick. I think teams should be looking at him. Apparently, he wants to get back into the pros. So mm-hmm. just throwing that one out there. Yeah. Now, um, I want to jump into news here, Alex. Now, the more news here, the the, the lesser stuff, now that we've gotten through the elephants in the room. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Lions tight end, TJ Hawkinson out for the yeah. season. He's undergoing hand surgery. He It was successful on Thursday. Um, so, huge loss for the Lions, but not, yeah, a, I, not a horrible one because they are already kind of you know, out of the well, I mean, you know, they're all, they're already got one foot. As far as this season is concerned, they got one foot on the grave and the other on a banana peel. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. basically tanked this year, but not, not not for nothing. But at the same time, hey, it might work out in their favor because they get that number that number one overall pick. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's still a crushing loss, you know, to to the Detroit Lions. You know, yes, they have enough to you know get them through the rest of the season. Um, but it's it's still not good to see. But then I guess the other thing that could come out on the other side, he'll be healthy by the time the next season rolls around. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we did have some some uh, other key players uh, going down, and the biggest key one is also Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. He left the game yeah. with 
Browns on Sunday with an ankle injury. He didn't practice all week. He does have a chance to play this week. I was actually talking to Tyler over the phone yesterday. He doesn't think Lamar is going to play. You know, that game against the Browns, I mean, it was a rough game for the the old uh, Ravens there. Do you think that uh, Lamar plays this week, or what do you got? Well, well, it all depends on who they're playing this week. Uh, If you can pull that up quicker than I. Yeah, let me... uh... Oh, I closed my internet browser, actually. <laughs> Let's see so, here. It, it looks like we got... Uh, Packers. They got the Packers. Okay. So and if we take a look at the rest of their schedule, you probably might want to have... Um, you know, they got, they'll got they have the Bengals the day after Christmas. So Ouch. maybe maybe you do sit Lamar out for this game against the Packers so that they're ready to take on their division rival in the Bengals. You know, that, maybe. That be- because you told me earlier when we were off the air that it was an, it was an ankle sprain, so it's, right. not, it's not like he's done for the season. But still, I mean, if, if he's not ready to go this week, bench him. You know, no, you, no. You, you, might eat, you might eat that loss against the Packers anyway, but, you know, then, then you'd be able to suit up against the Bengals and really make that push to, to win the AFC North. Now, understand how tight this thing is. Um, yep. So you've, you've got, uh, in that division, you got the Ravens leading the division. They're eight and five right now. Browns yep. are seven and six. Bengals are seven and six. Steelers are six and six. So you've got a very, very, it's probably one of, if not the most competitive division in football right yep. now. It, it, from the look of it, it is the most competitive division in football. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I've got, if you're feeling froggy against the Bengals who blew you out a few weeks ago, you remember right. those blew them out 40 something. I mean, it was, it was, yep, a, that, that was the Jamar chase show. Yeah, that was a spanking. So, and, and the Ravens are over here losing corners. They just brought back Jimmy Smith this past week. That's more news around the, around the hood there, you know? So they bring back, uh, or uh, I mean, they're, there's, uh, God, I don't, I, I think you do sit them this week because I think they're going to lose this game regardless to the mm-hmm. to be honest. But you got to hope that you're going to beat the Bengals. Yep. And you got to hope that you're going to have your quarterback ready to go by the end of the season. Right. Because you want you want him playoff healthy. Yep. And and also just look at this. So playoff teams right now, teams that you can consider in the playoffs or close to or in the hunt or whatever. Patriots are nine and four. Bills are seven and six. Ravens are eight and five. Browns are seven and six. Bengals are seven and six. Titans are nine and four. Colts are seven and six. Chiefs are ten and four. Chargers are eight and six. Broncos are seven and six. So you're talking about what 11, 12 teams there that are, I mean, right on the cusp. I mean, mm. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten teams, ten teams that you're you're looking at that are are on the playoff cusp. There, they're they're on, on the, the bubble. So you know, they yeah, it's like, can you afford a loss? Can you afford to sit him? Do you have to win? Man, <laughs> with only four games, with only six games left. If they take the loss against the Packers, and then mm-hmm. after they take the loss against the Packers, they lose to the Bengals. The Ravens are in deep shit. Oh, they're yeah. They'll be they'll most if, if they're not out of the playoffs, they'll be seven seed. Yeah. So so they they have to hope that Lamar is going to be healthy for this week, and they're going to have to hope 
that they win this game against the Packers, which is going to be very tough against a 10 and three Packers team. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the, with with Aaron Rodgers at the helm, no less, no less. Yeah. I mean, right. it's, it's something interesting. So there's that going on. Um, speaking of, uh, the Browns, cause we, the, that injury suffered, it was suffered against the Browns for Lamar. Uh, Browns quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum, they were both placed on the COVID reserve t- list after testing positive. Nate Mullins was, is set to get the start as of right now. Uh, they also signed quarterback Kyle Laletta off the Jags practice squad this week. So that is a thing. Um, players that have been placed on the COVID reserve list for the Browns, and we talked about it earlier, but uh, the, the key players are wide receiver Jarvis Landry, tight end Austin Hooper, Yep. Offensive tackle Jedrick Wills, guard Wyatt Teller, the guard Drew Forbes, <clears throat> the defensive end Tack McKinley, all placed on the COVID reserve list. And then even more than that, the Browns also placed head coach Kevin Stefanski on COVID-19. <laughs> wow. So, that, so yeah, I think, I think I was reading an article, I think, uh, well – I, I think across the entire league, like a hundred players got either tested positive for COVID or got put on reserve lists. Right. And I think the previous record was like 10. Yeah. So, so it's uh, for a minute, it was about 67 a couple of days ago. And uh, it, it, it since obviously been going up, but all of those guys get placed on the COVID reserve list. The bills or I'm sorry, the Browns rather have a, uh, have a, you know, an, a, an epidemic going on in there. Well, and I, I think it's because the NFL like changed their testing protocols too. Yeah. So, that, so that people got tested more often and apparently people just be getting nailed. Yeah. And that's what, that's what sparked the whole, Oh, we got to move the games now. Huh. Well, you know, yeah. And and the conflict of interest and all that. And the Raiders are obviously pissed and rightfully so, but yeah, the Browns, they they are are filled with with COVID right now. It's like a sick ward over there. Yeah. Speaking of places that are are like a sick ward, the Saints head coach Sean Payton pe- tested positive for COVID. He will not coach in Week 15 versus the Bucks. Um, mm-hmm. He will be out. Um, and also, okay, this is this is something I want to talk about because it bothers me a little bit, mm-hmm. and this to be my bitch of the week here. <laughs> okay. Sean Payton is set to have a movie made about his time while he was suspended for the targeting scandal that took place in 2009. Yeah. Let me make this really clear. You are having a movie made to honor this guy, essentially, to tell his story. Like he's some sort of of sentimental character. What he got suspended for was... Targeting players and trying to end their careers, and you're going to make a movie for them. What yeah. is this shit? <laughs> uh, it's people are running out of ideas in Hollywood, I guess. Like it's the most moronic thing. Like, why would you want to make a, a movie of that guy, that specific guy, under that specific circumstance? He got suspended because he was an asshole. How about that? <laughs> Sean Payton is one of the biggest assholes in the entire NFL. He is a douchebag. And you are going to sit there and make a movie of the guy after he went out and gave his players incentives to go and try and purposely hurt opposing players. I mean, it does not help. It does not help the fact that this is basically what launched the Saints to a Super Bowl 
past the Minnesota Vikings, helmed at the time by Brett Favre. Yeah, you you hurt, and then also <laughs> let's not forget they hurt Kurt Warner as well. They purposely yeah. targeted Kurt Warner. They purposely targeted Brett Favre. And I have to sit here, and they're going to make a a movie of the guy. Like yeah, what? Like what? Like what are you doing this for? Yeah, I, I don't understand. Um, it, it just doesn't make sense. It just it's senseless. I I uh, what a shit show. What an mm-hmm. absolute shit show. Oh, we're going to make a movie of you where you're suspended for being a dick. What? <laughs> <laughs> right, but they're, and if, they're making him out to be some sort of like sentimental character in the movie. Like, like no, I mean, yeah, it, oh. it, you could probably argue that it's kind of like Cobra, the the YouTube series Cobra Kai, except uh, uh, what's his face uh, wasn't an actual dick. Daniel yeah, Russo was a dick. Really, at the end of the day, also let's let's be real. Sean Payton is still a fucking asshole. Like, right, yep. <laughs> he is still a douchebag. So, I mean, that to hell with that guy. I, I just, it's unreal yeah. to me. Unfucking real. <laughs> um, next up, you got the Bills. The Bills quarterback, Josh Allen, he injured his foot in a game versus the Bucks. He's expected to play on Sunday versus the Panthers. Uh, mm-hmm. As is defensive end and edge rusher, Jerry Hughes. He has a foot injury. He's expected to play versus the Panthers. But one guy that's mm-hmm. not expected to play is wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders. He's out with a uh, knee injury. How big of a loss is Emmanuel Sanders to this Bills team? Uh, well, well uh, let's go check uh, the, the statistics from uh, last week's game. I think we can uh, you know, use that as kind of a crutch, <laughs> no pun intended, well, uh, to discuss this. Uh, say about Emmanuel Sanders. He's been, I mean, he's had a really a decent season, not from a yardage standpoint per se. I mean, his yard mm-hmm. definitely dropped significantly. He's been getting about six targets a game. But one thing I yeah. want to say about Emmanuel Sanders is he has been more of a um, a short yardage and sort of a red zone threat, uh, especially early on when we're talking right. like October. He was um, he had two touchdowns, two you know, like in two separate games, and versus Washington and versus the Chiefs, he was a special uh, specialist. <laughs> Excuse me. But uh, he said 406 yards. He's having himself a good year. Emmanuel yeah. Sanders is it like he's not the Emmanuel Sanders we remember. Like, let, right. let, it's still it's still a pretty significant clear. loss. Now, granted, you're going up against the Carolina Panthers team that's an absolute dumpster fire yeah. after the Sam Darnold experiment failed. But you still kind of want to make sure you still don't want him to. You definitely don't want him uh, to to. Uh, you don't want him to go by the wayside uh, during the rest of the season because, yeah. you know, after the Panthers, they do have that gigantic game against the Patriots, probably a make or break for the NFC East. You know, if, if they can't beat, if they can't beat the Patriots, they won't have a ch- snowball's chance in hell of winning the division. And you definitely want to make sure Emmanuel Sanders is healthy by then. Yep. Emmanuel Sanders, has, uh, you know, and for this season, he's at 606 yards right now. Um, on pace for 858 on the year. So it's mm-hmm. not bad showing for a guy who's technically speaking a number two, possibly even a number three, because you got to consider they have Stefan Diggs and they have Cole Beasley. And he's kind of sharing number three with Gabriel Davis. So I like Emmanuel Sanders. I think he's like a high end number two, in my opinion. 
I mm-hmm. I think he's a like he he did well with the the Broncos and he did well with the Niners and he I mean he's he's been all over the place and and nobody seems to want to retain this guy for the long term. My opinion, he should be retained for the long term by somebody as as a and, and he, I know he's getting up there in age. He's thirty four years old. Give the man a two three year deal, and and put him on the field and and just make him a number two receiver. Let people learn from him. That's that's what would be the best thing for him. So I mean, I, I'm okay with Emmanuel Sanders, but he will be out um, uh, against the Panthers. And and actually coming up this upcoming week, speaking of the Panthers, the Panthers go ahead and place their backup quarterback Matt Barkley on the COVID reserve list. Yet another one hitting COVID. Yep, another one. Yep. The Panthers wide receiver DJ Moore is officially listed as questionable against the Bills with a hamstring injury. That's a huge loss if they don't have yep. him on the field. Oh, he, for sure. Um, he's, he's one of their only viable players at this point. Yeah, he's their number one receiver. So he's got a hamstring and he's got a hamstring injury. Uh Panthers cornerback AJ Bouye is also ruled out for Sunday's game versus the Bills with a foot injury. So losing your your number one corner or one of your number one corners, uh, one of your top corners, I would probably say he's the number two over there, and DJ mm-hmm. Moore, or your number one receiver as questionable, that's an issue. Yeah. And then they also have quarterback Sam Darnold is, is designated to return from IR. He's not cleared for contact yet, which means that uh, Cam Newton will be the, uh, the official starter over there. But the, you know, the Panthers, man. It's it's a it's a bad scene, you know. I, I yeah, it is not it's not a good scene in Carolina, and I think the Bills, you know, even without Emmanuel Sanders, will most likely bulldoze the Carolina Panthers this week. Yeah, that's my expectation. Um, also, players hitting uh, hitting COVID reserve. The Dolphins they placed wide receiver Jalen Waddle on the COVID reserve list. Mm. That's a big loss for them. Uh, Jalen Waddle has been so good the last several weeks. Luckily for them, not a huge boon, but at least, you know, you get some guys coming back. The running backs, Miles Gaskin and Selvin Ahmed, they're they're set to return from the uh, COVID reserve list. And uh, the the Dolphins also made a signing this week. They went and signed Rainers corner Damon Arnett to the practice squad after his um, gun flailing, pointing, threatening video that (laughs) a few weeks back. <laughs> that makes that it's like oh oh you made a ridiculous video about waving a gun around okay you're hired yeah. what <laughs> yeah. huh? it made no sense to you me or anybody else that that is in our little group chat off of this here it's like, it was like okay are they that desperate for players what are you talking about mm-hmm. that was that was that was like what makes no sense no sense. Takes none. But Damon Arnett, I mean, he was a former number one overall or a first round pick. So mm-hmm. there you go. Cornerback Damon Arnett is now a Miami Dolphin. Um, also with the COVID protocols, another guy going out with COVID, Washington quarterback Taylor Heineke. He's placed mm-hmm. on the reserve list after testing positive this week. So he will be out for this Sunday's game. Um, and that means that uh, Mr. Brandon Allen is going to be taking over those roles. Um, mm-hmm. I think Washington, and it's good news for my Vikings if they can pull out a win against the Bears because I don't think Allen is going to be able to get it done uh, this week with you know the way that yeah. he might have been able to. Right, I think even even the Eagles, even with their deficient uh, offense and with Jalen Hurts, will still probably get the job done against the Washington football team. 
Yeah, and you know what? To be honest with you, Jalen Hurts, he's been a lot better recently. I've been weirdly surprised by him. Um, speaking of Jalen's and, and the uh, NFC East, the Giants signed linebacker Jalen Smith to the practice squad. Uh, you know, he's been kind of dinged around the league a little bit. I like this signing a lot. I think this is smart. I think he's a good linebacker, and I think people are sleeping on Jalen Smith, don't you? Yeah, I think so. You know, um, if it, it, it definitely any any news is good news uh, for the New York Football Giants at this point, uh, because you know, again, they've just been somewhat of a raging dumpster fire, and uh, you know, and anything that they can do to boon their team, you know, I'll be, uh, I say, I'm all for it. I think that's that's a good move for them. Um, more COVID stuff. Seahawks placed wide receiver Tyler Lockett, running back mm. Alex Collins, both on the COVID reserve list. Those guys huge. out this week. Those are huge hits, especially with as much love as Tyler Lockett's been getting. Yeah. Um, you know, but does this open things up for DK Metcalf at this point? Well, it's definitely a, an opportunity, and if uh, if DK can. Uh, can pop, uh, you know, can get off his, uh, you know, whatever funk he's, if there's, if there's any, an opportunity to get off, to get out of the funk that he's been in recently, this is it. So, uh, it's, it's, it's a blessing in disguise for DK, you know, so he he has the opportunity to, to get back into that number one position. Yep. And, uh, last but not least, we've got the, uh, Texans safety. Justin Reed has been ruled out for Sunday's game versus the Jaguars due to a concussion. Uh, he suffered the concussion on Sunday. He remains in concussion protocol. Uh, you know, it, Justin Reed's a huge loss for the Texans. I know the Texans season, they've already been, you know, yep. so mathematically they're the first team that's been eliminated for making the playoffs because the AFC is so strong. So right. it's been kind of a, a different animal for them. But Justin Reed, he's been ruled out for Sunday's game versus the Jags. This isn't yet another reason why I think the Jags are just going to dominate the Texans this week. I'm I'm calling, oh, for sure. spoiler alert, I'm calling Jags in that game. But, yeah. You know, the um, Well, especially since you know we just had we just had the we just had the, the change in coaching. We yep. just canned Urban Meyer. You know, we we got we've got um you know the interim coach and I already forgot his name, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, double. Yep, so we got so we got that guy there. So he's, so, you know, that combination plus, you know, this, you know, an actually good player for Houston's out with an injury. Yeah. I think Jacksonville, it's, it's their time to get their third win. Yeah. They're, they're going to come out strong. So Justin Reed will be out. And with that, that is our news around the league. Now, Alex, we've got, uh, our last order of business here. Uh, mm -hmm. Our schedule is, uh, I've got our schedule pulled up for week 15. Um, yep. Uh, Tyler right now, so as of this past week, Tyler and I were in a dead heat as far as, um, and let as me picks goes. predictions as well. He did send those to me. <clears throat> so we are in a dead heat for uh, who we think is going to, uh, uh, or for our predictions and our, our, our results anyway. So, Week 15 in the NFL. Alex, are you ready to give your predictions? I'm ready. All right. Well, here are predictions for week 15 in the NFL, starting with the Chiefs and the Chargers. I took the Chargers. Tyler took the Chiefs. Alex, I'm assuming you took the Chiefs as well, right? 
Um, I did simply because of the fact that, you know, Patrick Mahomes and everybody was, uh, you know, and company, they're starting to hit their stride again. But it was definitely a competitive game uh, this past Thursday, as you can see. You know, only six points difference between uh, the victor and the losers. Uh, It was a wild back and forth game. It had to go to overtime and the Chiefs walked off. So, uh, you know, props to uh, Patrick Mahomes and company for squeaking the win on the road. You know, because, yeah. you know, a lot of games have been played in SoFi Stadium this year. And it's uh, it's good to know that uh, Mahomes and company are still, uh, you know, basically riding the train to the number one seed. Right. Uh, next up, you got the Patriots and the Colts. Tyler takes the Colts. I'm taking the Colts as well for tonight on Saturday night. So, uh, you know something? I'm going to be that guy and I'm going to pick the Patriots oh. simply because of the fact that, yes, there's Jonathan Taylor we got to look out for. Carson Wentz is criminally underrated, especially this year. But Billy Be- Billy Belly and Mac Jones will find a way to, you know, especially if Damian Harris can play. I don't know if they, I don't know. He's been questionable. Uh, I don't know if the Patriots submitted their inactives yet. Um, but if Damian Harris can get it done on the ground, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and Mac Jones can get it done in the air, I think uh, it'll be a close one, but I'm calling Patriots by three. Wow, ballsy. And he gives the line. Look at him go. Shit. <laughs> uh, next up, we've got the Cowboys and the Giants. The, uh, you know, Tyler takes the Cowboys. I'm taking the Cowboys. I think the Giants are a dumpster fire. Cowboys all day. Blowout. How about them Cowboys? Yeah, yeah. I thought we were all going the same route there. Um, next up, you got the Jets and the Dolphins. I'm going with the Dolphins here. Tyler is also taking the Dolphins. Myself as well, although it's going to be a little bit more competitive than you would think. I mean, yes, the Jets are a complete dumpster fire, but uh, they do have one of the more prolific defenses of those teams that are of those teams that don't have that many wins this year, the Jets have a better defense. So it'll be interesting to see. But I'm I'm calling Dolphins. It's going to be close. It's going to be closer. I think it's going to be a lot of closer because Jalen Waddle won't be on the field, and that's that's to his favorite target. So we're going to see something a little different from the Dolphins in this one. Uh, Next up, probably the week's blowout game of the week, the Cardinals and the Lions. I I am not – listen – <laughs> this is a home game too. I mean, I mean, most of the t- any time the Lions visit the Cardinals in Arizona or the Cardinals come to Detroit, it's always been a bloodbath. I expect no different this week. Yeah, the, the Lions are going to play their hearts out. Don't get me wrong, but you know, this is Ar- if Arizona, I I expect Arizona to get, to have at least three touchdowns on the Lions. I'm calling it right now. They, they are. They already have thirteen. They're already getting thirteen points. You might as well give them twenty-one. <laughs> well, I'm taking the cards. Tyler's taking the Cardinals as well. Cardinals over the Lions in that one. Next up, you got the uh, Texans and the Jags. Look, I said it earlier. I'm going to say it again. Jag, <laughs> and I'm going to say James Robinson is going to get a lot of touches in this game. I'm going Jags all day. Yep, me too. I mean, just if, if for no other reason than uh, the elephant in the room finally got taken out. Yeah. Yep. So Jags over Texans has been decided. Next up, you got the Bills and the Panthers. I'm going Bills. I think the Panthers are falling apart. Yep. Tyler is uh, also taking the Bills in that game. 
No. Blow out. It's the, it's the Bills time. Nobody circles the wagons. Yep, nobody circles the wagons. I'm going with the Bills, too. Uh, next up, you got the Titans and the Steelers. Tyler's taking the Titans. I am also taking the Titans. Alex, who you got? Me too. Although I'm gonna t- I'm gonna be honest here, this might actually be a closer game than you think. Uh, they don't have Derrick Henry, obviously. Uh, D- Dante Foreman is no Derrick Henry, and plus, as you mentioned, Ryan Tannehill has not been an elite level quarterback. Sorry, Tyler. So this might be closer. But I do believe that the Titans have this one uh, well in hand. Yeah, I, I'm going Titans here, but I will mention, and it's worth mentioning, Pittsburgh is favored to win that game, strangely yep. enough. But by one and a half points, I did, I do see that. Kind of an interesting thing. Uh, next up, 405 on Sunday, the Falcons and the Niners. I'm going to go ahead and say the Niners take this one. I love that running game. I, I think Elijah Mitchell is the real deal. And uh, I've been I've been a big fan of him. Tyler's taking the Niners as well. So, uh, two you got this one? I've got the Niners for sure. Uh, they got the the line is San Francisco by nine. I'm gonna call by fourteen. Wow, ballsy, ballsy! Look at him throwing that money around. Uh, next up, we got the uh, kind of sort of a tight one: Bengals and Broncos. Um, mm-hmm. So, I'm taking the Bengals in this one. I really like the the Bengals. Um, and the Tyler's also taking the Bengals as well. Denver is favored in this game, but I no, I just don't buy it. I think the Bengals defense, it, they're a very middle of the road type of defense, and I think they're going to do just enough. It'll be tight, but I'm taking yep. Bengals. Yeah, especially if and if Joe Mixon can find his stride. You know, if if there's any game to, for Joe Mixon to find his stride, it's this one and Jamar Chase for that matter. So. Uh, you know, but yeah, I, I'm picking the Bengals, but it will be a close one. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I think it's going to be a lot tighter than a lot of us expect. Uh, next up, we got the Packers and the Ravens. Lamar may not play in this game. I'm going Packers regardless of whether he plays or not. Yep. I, I just think it's Packers all day. Um, yep. Rodgers to Adams, and that's all I got to say. Packers. Yeah, Tyler's taking the Packers as well in this game. Uh, next up, the Saints and the Bucks. I, I mean, this is going to be blowout central. I'm going Bucks in this game. Tyler is also taking the Bucks. The, you know, the, I, as much as I like Taysom Hill, and and I think he's kind of figuring it out a little bit more. I just don't think he's got what it takes to take care of the Bucks. I'm going to go ahead and say Bucks all day. <laughs> the goat's going to get it done. <laughs> Yep, so Bucks. Um, next up, we got the Raiders and the Browns. Kind of a strange game. The Browns are favored. You know, well, they, should, they ought to be favored after getting their game moved. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm kind of iffy on this one because I don't know what quarterback is going to start, you know, in this right. situation given the, the circumstances. Um, I, it, it, makes it, it makes it really tough. Yeah, to pick this game because uh, I'm gonna go ahead and dip my toe in the water first. Uh, everybody's saying that Derek Carr is on the downward trend. Um, their their uh, heated uh, response to the Browns getting this game moved may light a fire under their ass, and uh, I am going to pick the Las Vegas Raiders. Ah, there you go, going for the upset. Cleveland is favored. Uh, Tyler's going Browns. I really like the Browns' running attack, and neither yeah. of the running backs are out. Uh, Nick Chubb is there. Kareem Hunt is there. I'm going to go ahead and say Browns all day. Mm-hmm. Um, 
on the running attack. I think that's right. Good- if, if if they can get that two headed attack, like you said, you know, it'll definitely it'll definitely favor Cleveland. But you know, get you know, uh, Josh Jacobs obviously hasn't been on par with uh, those those individuals in Cleveland. So there you go. Uh, if if Derek Carr is going to get it done, it's going to have to be done through the air. Exactly. Uh, next up, we got also another primetime game. 8-15 on, um, uh, on Monday will be the Vikings and the Bears in Soldier Field. Vikings are favored to win in this game. I have a lot of questions. I'm going to go Vikings here, but... Of course, I would expect you to. No, I would, you know. You know, you know I, but I have questions. I have a really bad feeling about this game, and a lot of times when I have a bad feeling about a game, it goes sideways. I have a right. bad feeling about this one. I'm going to go Vikings, but I'm having this weird feeling that the Bears in Soldier Field with Kirk Cousins in prime time. Uh, <laughs> a lot of factors. Yeah. A lot of factors. I'm also going to pick Minnesota simply because of the fact that uh, Justin Fields may very well live up to his potential as Bustin Fields. Yes. Um, so... You know, I mean, he did play very well last week. Uh, you know, he's he's been on an upward trend, but at the same time, I'm going to pick the Vikings. I appreciate that. But Tyler's taking the Vikings as well. Going into Tuesday night, which is just weird. Very uh, weird. Yeah, Washington and the Eagles. Um, uh, Tyler's taking the Eagles. Tyler Heineke's out. I'm taking the Eagles as well here. Yep. Um, without, Ty- without Taylor Heineke, without that... Uh, I mean, they still have McLaurin in as a receiver for Washington. So, uh, you know, perhaps, you know, it, you know, Washington may have a chance, but I think uh, it, I'm going to go ultimately with the Eagles myself. Yeah, I'm with you. And then the very last game of the week on Tuesday night, at some, both these games take place at 7 p.m. on Tuesday night, so people are going to be doing a little bit of channel flipping here. But the Seahawks... It's on the same network, too. (laughs) Seahawks and the Rams. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Rams here. Uh, I think the Seahawks finally get their their postseason hopes put to bed. I I think that's going to be it. (coughs) Rams will take this one. And Tyler taking the Rams as well. As much as uh, we thought that Russell Wilson was digging himself out of a hole, as much as we got surprised uh, with the sudden resurgence of the uh, Seattle Seahawks, they are going up against a division rival. They are going into Los Angeles. They are going into SoFi Stadium. So I'm giving the edge to the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. And uh, with that, those are our predictions for Week 15 in the NFL. And Alex, that is our um, So I want to give a quick shout-out to uh, our sponsor over at It's Your Time Massage. Mm-hmm. Man is a wonderful therapist. She always gets the job done over at IYTMassage.com, or you can check her out at It's Your Time Massage on Facebook. Um, I always recommend people to It's Your Time Massage. It's the place to go. If you ever, ever are feeling tense and all beat up, woo, for us wrestlers and stuff like that, yep. I'll tell you, it's, it's wonderful. She's the best massage therapist around. Check her out, IYTMassage.com. Schedule an appointment. I- at It's Your Time Massage. And I do have one entity that I would like to shout out, uh, the Hook and Catch Wrestling Club in Ludington, right. Michigan, uh, offering uh, kids jiu-jitsu classes, uh, gi grappling, no gi grappling, and uh, I'm going there for professional wrestling training, 
you know, uh, CJ Atchin is the uh, head trainer there, you know, great stuff. Um, so, you know, I'm just giving them a quick shout out here. Uh, the hook and catch wrestling club in Ludington, Michigan, look them up on Facebook, throw it in your Google machine and, uh, see what, see what they can do for you. Yep. And then also got to give a shout out one more time to face kicked apparel over at facekickapparel.com. Sean Stockmeyer is the most awesome, awesome uh, uh, T-shirt guy out there. T-shirts, mm-hmm. beanies, uh, uh, pants, anything you can think of, you pick it. He sticks it over at facekickapparel.com. Uh, check it out. Sean is awesome over there. And, folks, that is our show. Alex, thank you so much for joining us once again. Uh, and jumping on board we really appreciate you being here and uh happy to be here i appreciate it man and uh folks we will see you next week right here on the outside blitz join us soon on the outside blitz and be sure to follow on facebook at facebook.com backslash the outside blitz and feel free to email us questions at the outside blitz at gmail.com